And happy Saturday, everybody, with it? January the 8th, year 2011, and I just got home a few minutes ago, and we're going to call Patricia and have a great time. But first, we'll say a prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for the... Yeah. And happy Saturday, everybody. What is this? January the eighth, year two thousand and eleven, and. I just got home a few minutes ago, and we're going to call Patricia and have a great time. But first, we'll say a prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for the station. Look after Bill, Kim, and Beth. Look after everybody who relates to the station, and thank you for letting us have a good time. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Well, Bill Bragg is going to be back on the air Monday, everybody. And Bill feeling a lot better. He spent a few days at the hospital. And he'll tell you all that on Monday. But uh, he's doing well. And he will be on the air Monday. So here's a little Doris Day music while we get ready. Just like a leaf that is blown away Gone with the wind My romance has flown away Yesterday's kisses are still Love burned brightly 
then became an empty smoke dream that is gone, gone with the Hate to tune that down from one terrific female, but I have another one on the phone. Hello, Patricia. Hello, Alden. Happy Saturday. We made it through the end of another week. That's right. My celebration time is when I open my eyes and I say, oh, goody, I got me another one. <laughs> How you doing? I am doing super dandy. I am so glad. Am I at a four or a five? You're at a, probably a three. You can have me at a four. Okay. Earning my you, numbers. There you go. You're at, a, you're at a three now. Okay. So four, I guess, is good? Sure. Okay. I'm learning how to count. Now I've only got one more finger on that hand. I know. Um, uno, dos, uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, siete, ocho, nueve, diez. Whatever. 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 My, my two years of Spanish <laughs> still there. Twelve languages and all of them are English. Yeah, what, I wonder I, I wonder how many dialects there is in English. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I think the British are responsible for 172 alone. <laughs> well, just think of America. Mm-hmm. Every, every region and every state has many, 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 not necessarily dialects, but um, accents. There are little accents in the way they pronounce words. I mean, in Florida, the native Floridians have six or seven. You, you can tell pretty much from the way they talk which part of the state they're from. And those are just the natives, never mind the people who have integrated and in-migrated. So you talk like a native? No. No? Oh, no. I you wish could... I could imitate the, the Florida accents uh, you know, from the native Floridians, uh -huh. the ones who grew up here. Um, and I'm, I'm talking like long time ago generations, not the brand new kids who are in kindergarten and first grade type thing. Right. You know, because those are our, our newcomers, but the, I don't want to say old timers, but people who have been here and have generations of family here have the most wonderful sounds to the way they pronounce words. It is just so soft and so wonderful to listen to. And there, as I say, there are five or six, maybe even seven different regional accents. People who grew up here can tell where the other person grew up simply by the way they pronounce their words. So you know, it's, I mean, I, we've, we've got some really wonderful accents here. It, it, the southern like accents, it, my goodness, all across the south, you've got different ones. And yeah. in the northeast and the mid, I mean, you know, I, you, we're probably talking hundreds here. I would think so. And I, my guess is I bet the south and the northeast have more different versions of accent than any part of the country. That would sound reasonable. You know? Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I would guess yes. You know, I mean, we Californians are pretty, you know, we're pretty nondescript people. You're just plain vanilla out uh-huh. there. Yeah. We've got we've got all the syrup and the fudge toppings I know. and the strawberries I know. and everything. You like whipped cream on your strawberries? No. No? Oh, that's right. You like everything plain. I like strawberries, period. I'll have a side order of cream. <laughs> <laughs> but, but my strawberries are just plain. Just plain. So how are you? I am, Good week? I am doing great. 714-545-2071. Been putting in a lot of hours. I'm, I'm on my... I uh, spent, you know, certain... Interesting cycles, like 43 hours straight and going to bed for eight and getting back up and doing, doing wonderful things like that. I'm go, I am glad that I can do that because, you know, that's the way my body works. So, uh, You're a whippersnapper. Ah, you bet. Anyway, uh, had a fun day. Um, spent the day with Tim Kanafa. We went up to L.A. to visit... Uh, Jim Harmon, widow. Jim, of course, with a long time yesterday, USA Dick Yockey, prolific writer in old time radio. And we went and spent some time with her in the morning. And uh, and then this afternoon, uh, this is the first time I've ever been to it, Patricia. I went to the motion picture home. Uh, I won. For the Academy. This, uh, oh, I know what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah, this is, um, this is the Screen Girl Golf Show. Was sponsored by Golf Oil. The Hollywood Stars donated their time, and with the money, within three years, they built and bought and built the home. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time I was there. And the reason why we went, Greg Oppenheimer, uh, put on two hours worth of recreations at the theater, the William B. Mayer Theater. How neat! And so. And the funny thing was, Patricia, I realized today it's the anniversary of the Golf Green Girl show. Happened January 8, 1939. That, and here, I'm on the facility 72 years later, and Great Dad was the one who wrote the script for that show. Boy, you talk about a daisy chain of links. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So nice. Did you have a good time? Did you had a good time? Saw our friends. I saw uh, Shirley Mitchell do Leela. We did a. Oh, we oh, did... be still my heart. Yeah. Leela is in one of the shows we have for tonight. Oh, good. So Leela, so Leela Ransom was fit as a fiddle tonight. So she, we saw her do her stuff, and I got off the stage, and I said, we would tease her. Well, you know, a few more times, practice will make perfect, Shirley. <laughs> and if she could do it on the air with us, that would be fine. Uh huh. So Shirley is knocked him dead, and then we saw our friend Gloria McMillan, who played the, the southern cousin. We, this is the uh, broadcast from November 17, 1948, the one I picked out for reps years ago, and somehow it made the circuit. That's the fourth time it's appeared at a different venue. Interesting. Uh, I can't uh, remember the cousin's name. Help me. Uh, the cousin was... Uh, um, uh, 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 Adeline. Adeline. Adeline, yeah. And this is the one where Gildy got engaged to two different females at the same time. And he made it through his career with only being engaged to two. I know. Time. <laughs> so, so Thorpe was played by Chuck McCann. Uh-huh. And Shirley Mitchell, Grand, Shirley Gordon McMillan's grandson played uh, Leroy. 
Okay. And or, but, but, he's very good. He's very good. And then before that, we had a parody of Dragnet, where uh, you know the Red Rider, the Red Rider, the the case where uh, uh, Red Red, Red oh, see, not Red Rider, Red Little Red Little Red Little Riding Hood, Little okay. Miss Riding Hood, played originally by June Foray. Okay. And the Stanford, and of course, June Foray played it today. Uh-huh. And then, let's see, after that, we had a break. And then we did the bigger sets. My gosh, this is a whole full program, yeah. just like a convention. Then, we did Baby Snooks. Oh, my. And starring Land Shop. Land Shop? Yes. Cherry Lewis' daughter, now... Inherits Land Shop, so she played Baby Snook, and she took Land Shop with her on stage. Oh, I love it! She left Charlie Horse at home. Uh huh. But she took Land Shop, so Land Shop and Cherry Rose did the Baby Snook together. And then so we, cute. And then we had a shadow parody from the Frank Brzee, uh Golden Days of TV, where Brett Morrison they did a parody on the Shadow, <laughs> and so they did the Shadow parody, <laughs> and. And uh, and and the two villains were Boris Karloff and Peter Lorre. Ooh, good one. Yeah, and let's see. There, I think there was another sketch, if I can think of it. But we had we had pretty much all comedy, and there was about uh, twelve performers up on stage. No, thirteen performers. And I saw. Uh, I saw Carol and Carol, Eddie Carol, uh, widow was in the audience, so we said she wanted us to sit by her, and uh, so you know, and they had uh, they had people from the motion picture home came came in for the audience. It was done for free, and so it it was a good day had by all. My goodness, how is Carolyn? Carolyn is super dandy. And Carol, Eddie Carroll's wife, and of course we lost Eddie last year, yep. um, which was a, a shock and a surprise. Eddie was our Jack Benny yep. recreator. I mean, yep. he wasn't even an impersonator. He no. was a recreator. You looked at this man. He, he was so good and looked so much like Jack Benny with the hairline, the glasses, that just everything was perfect except he was left-handed and he had to learn how to play the violin with his, in the correct sequence. Mm -hmm. But he was so good that... Were you amazed when you first saw him on stage performing Jack Benny? Oh, yeah. Oh, abs oh gosh. Oh, my goodness. I, and it was the only time I had ever seen him, and I'm so fortunate that I did have an opportunity to see yeah. him. But when, when he put on the glasses and just assumed the stance, mm -hmm. it was all over. I mean, it was Jack Benny who was there. Um, it, uh, I'm not into possessions, but it was almost <laughs> like he was possessed by Jack Benny. Yeah. Yeah. But it, um, he he was so good and had such a striking likeness to Jack Benny with with no props except the glasses and a violin. Right. All he put on. And uh, there there was an outfit. And they never took the picture down either. There's an outfit that was selling. Jack Benny DVDs, and they needed a picture for the DVD, and they put one on. They just appropriated it and never knew that it was one of Eddie Carroll mm -hmm. they had on the cover of the DVD. 
which is just extraordinary. Nobody knew it until, by happenstance, Eddie and Carolyn picked it up. Yep. And realized that that's what they had done. <laughs> so, I mean, you, you can't get more striking a resemblance than to have someone mistaken for a picture for a DVD. I mean, this is a, a regular put-out-the-goods guy. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. They, they got him mixed up, and it was just such fun to, to talk with the two of them about that. Oh, yeah. 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 So that was the home my highlight. I guess ran went to dinner with Tim and ran home. Uh, squeaking the door about 20 after, uh, yeah, about 11 or around 20, I think close to 20 after the hour, and, hey, hi to the family, checked on the family, and got stuff together for the show, so I'm about three minutes late, but, oh well. And you got in 20 minutes before airtime, and you were late? About 10 minutes before airtime. Okay, 10 minutes before airtime, and yeah. you were late. Uh-huh. I think you need to give an accounting of yourself to our family. Well, there's natural, um, tonight. There's natural causes that have to happen. <laughs> I wondered how you were going to get around. <laughs> that is very good. We are with our family tonight, 714 and I know Walden's got lots of other things to talk about. You take a deep breath. I'm going to give a theme for tonight. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. Take a deep breath. And just a heads up, I didn't look at any of my emails since I've been gone since early bright this morning. So I guess, I guess, so if anybody sent me an email expecting me to talk on some topic that I don't know anything about, just call me and find out. Whatever I said makes sense, that's okay. We're going to have one heck of a night tonight, you know? Okay, so we, we have this theme. Are, are you ready for my theme? Can we take a vote? Sure. Uh, all, all in favor, say, say raise your hand. That's the way I can count it out there in the audience, the family. Do, do you, okay. do you, you've got one hand up. This is a majority. Oh, I guess it is. All right. Okay, she wins. Because the Speaker of the House doesn't get a vote. Oh, yeah. All right. Am I good on that? I've got You're everything. good. You're good. All right, my damn. I, 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 I turned the, the floor over to the lady from Florida. And I do not yield. <laughs> How do you like that one? Hey, okay. okay. she, she knows her stuff. <laughs> C-SPAN is very educational. Okay, well, I found this cool article in the New York Times this week, and it is about teaching children how to play on their own. Can you imagine that? We have gotten to a point where kids don't know how to play anymore. They Wait know a how to... Wait a minute. Wait, how can that be? How can kids not know how to play on their own? Well, they just don't. Uh, playing on their own, uh, one, one of the people who was interviewed for this article, I'll read little snippets mm-hmm. later, uh, and you have to put up with me because these are snippets that just blew me away. <laughs> um, one of the and, and they're absolutely correct. If it doesn't have bells, whistles, buttons, or pictures, the kids are at a loss. So, anyhow. As a kid, I love mud, cardboard boxes. And sandboxes. And sandboxes. (laughs) And, you know, wood. Sure. And nails. Sure. I love creating stuff. 
Uh, I can I, tell some stories about what Walden done around here, you know. We're going to we're going to ask Walden. In, <laughs> uh, well, I I I do have some stories. There's no well, we need to hear about the there. sandbox later too. <laughs> we but, can tell that story and some other legendary stories that Walden Jews had created around this house. This is cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, the name of the article, the title of the article is good, Effort. Good thing I'm shy. Okay. Say what? Good thing I'm shy. You're shy? Yeah, good thing I'm shy about that. I'm, I'm, I, Who am I talking with? <laughs> I'm just trying to get a giggle off Patricia. She, she didn't giggle for me. Oh, well. Go Hold him back on the phone. Put All him right. on the phone right now. All right, my dear. You have the floor. An imposter. Okay, yeah. the name of the article, or the title of the article, is Effort to Restore Children's Play Gains Momentum. I mean, they actually have groups of people who are teaching children how to play. And one of the first quotes in here is, there's no imaginative play anymore, no more pretend. And that is the crux of it. It says, children spend far too much time in front of the screen. Educators and parents lament seven hours and 38 minutes a day on average. That's a full-time job for little kids. So anyway, here is this group that comes together. They call, it's a coalition of parents called Play for Tomorrow. And they've put together all sorts of play things and do things, like piles of Play-Doh and cardboard boxes, as you say, all of these things that kids used at one time to make imaginary things and to play. And they scheduled what was to be a giant play day in Central Park in New York, and they called it the Ultimate Block Party. And they were all prepared. They thought, well, you know, we, we really better prepare ahead of time. And they, they wanted 10,000 people. They expected 10,000 people to show up. 50,000 people showed up. Well, I'm it's, glad about that. But it's it's a, people it's a, and kids who wanted to learn how to play, oh, good which is just incredible. So, but they were, they were talking about things like the, um, the soccer games. When there weren't any adults around, kids would just kind of pick up their own rules. And they'd, they'd play soccer or softball or kickball, and they'd say, okay, well, this is a rule for today. And everything was great until the adults came in and they'd come in and say, oh, no, no, that's not a rule. You know, you have to play by the rules. You have to play by this. You have to do that. So anyway, um, they've got this collection of really great stuff um, uh, cushions from from sofas where they they built pretend tents and forts. Oh yeah. Um, they made doll cutouts from old magazines. It was yeah. just wonderful, and the kids had just such a fabulous time. So all of that is my introduction to tonight's theme. It's playtime at Saturday night with Walden and Patricia. All right. What kind of play were you? into when you were kids. Creative stuff like with Play-Dohs or Legos or dirt piles or snow, drawing, painting, games like baseball, hopscotch, um, building forts from furniture cushions, reading, trading, comic books, trucks, dolls, playgrounds, just anything at all. What did you do that you didn't need a computer screen, an iPhone, or a parent in order to have a good time? 714 Seven, one. You know, it's, it's amazing to me. Why do you, why do we need to organize kids for play things? I mean, 
That's exactly what this group is questioning. The kids do generally. I mean, there are certainly exceptions. You know, kids go home with bloody noses. Yeah. But uh, as a rule, kids left to their own devices come up with some really fascinating rules and regulations for their games, and yeah. it's only for that time. It might be repeated the next time, but they'll repeat, well, well, for today, this is the rule. Or, or no, you can't do that. This is going to be a rule for, for this game. And they I, do fine. I, I just wonder, though, if it's the environment we live in now that um, mm-hmm. we have parents taking the kids to school and picking them up, and they structure, you know, they take them to soccer practice and take them there. But as a, one parent also said, we are in a different time yeah. where... We can't let our kids out to play unless somebody is out there keeping an eye on them. Mm -hmm. And that's so sad. I know that there are neighborhoods and and small towns where that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. But even in the small towns, terrible things happen. Terrible things do happen. That we just didn't worry about 30, 40, 50, or 60 years ago. That's true. So... Anyhow, I would really love to hear what people did to keep themselves entertained as kids. All right, Patricia, you're first. What did you do? <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, yeah, I, I liked to ride bicycles. Uh-huh. And I guess we played hide-and-seek. Uh-huh. And I liked to play by myself sometime, and I had this, this really nifty, um, you know, like a sand pail. Right. You know, like a little kid carries, and they were building a house next door to us, and they spilled some cement, and I thought this was really cool. So I mixed some cement and water and dirt and in my pail, and I couldn't get it out. What? <laughs> <laughs> so I walked around with this 48-pound pail. <laughs> so I, I wrecked my little dirt pail. Oh, Very disappointing. That's so pretty cute, though. Teach me. It, it taught me a lesson. <laughs> Don't know what you're doing. Don't do it. I mean, I didn't learn anything by it, but that was the lesson. So, tell me about the sandbox. Oh, you want that story first, huh? Well, no, you could tell any story. Oh, I'll tell that one. That's that's pretty good. You you want me the one when I was three years old in school? Yeah, and I'm I'm just gonna go get something to eat. (laughs) I'm sorry. Go ahead. This is a good story. It's a wonderful story. You know, it's me. You little exhibitionist. That's right. You know. Watch what happens when you're three years old. What happened when you were three years old? Well, Walden, when he was three years old, started to go to school at three and a half. And because of my, um, you know, hearing and sight and all those trouble, at that time, Walden only knew five words. Mama, Papa, baby, is he Mama, Papa, hot, and who knows the other two. You know, when you get older, you forget the five words that you knew in three, when you're three and a half. Anyway, poor mom put me on my school bus and worried about her little guy, so I got to school. Anyway, the um, Chili Brooks was a wonderful preschool, and so we had classes, and outside you had a track, like a, um, a oval track with red and green stoplights, so you could take your little tricycle and ride around and, you know, and stop and go. Also had a sandbox. And I was told, and I I have on good authority that it has to be true. But I don't remember it, you know? But I'm going to tell it anyway because, you know, my co-host said I got to tell. No, she just asked if you would like to. 
Well, I'm going to tell anyway if I like to or not. <laughs> you would have told anyway. Anyway, but I got huh. be- I got better ones. Right. Okay. So, mostly, I-, I took my clothes off when I was three years old in the sandbox. So, I don't know how I got back on. Probably got supervised to put them back on, but that's You know, I- that's really interesting. Oh, gosh, it would have been full of sand, too. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, yeah, in my sandbox. That little guy. Well, I mean, that was really nice of you because you didn't want to get your, your clothes all messed. I guess so. Well, Patricia there, there did... are some social responsibilities <laughs> that well, you we we, left over the years, I guess. Yeah, huh? we know Patricia wear, don't wear shoes around the place, so, you know, it's okay. Oh, I mean, no shoes is a little, uh, that doesn't hold a candle. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But I don't I, know, Walter, what are we going to do with you? I don't know, but I'll tell you some more fun stories like that. Bigger stories. More legendary stories. All right. You can have one more, and then somebody has to call and rescue, and then you can have another one. My dad and mom, uh, you know, to basically make sure we were taken care of, um, you know, we were in a lot of debt when I was born. I was born with a lot of uh, fiscal problems. And it wiped the family out and put tremendous debt. So both my mom and dad worked. Uh, they, they they basically worked. My mom worked during the day. My dad would work at night. So my dad would always uh, be baby. Well, he was babysitting on the couch and be Mr. Zombie. But here was his two boys, you know. So we watch TV, so play games in the living room. So one time, uh, I must have been six or five, and my brother was two years nine months younger than I am. I asked Dad, can, can we put new wallpaper in the house? And Dad in the couch, oh, well, I think he said sure. So my brother and I went to my bed, went to our bedroom. We were sharing the same bedroom. And we took our crayons. And we drew circus themes on the wall. And we had we had it covered all over the wall. And when my dad woke up, my mom came home. They just... They were so impressed they invited the neighbors to come look at it. We didn't get punished or anything. And then, then my then my poor dad had to clean it up and repaint over it. But they they regret even till today that they should have they should have took pictures of it. So that's what creative kid can do. I think that's a good story. We also need to take out a patent on your parents. <laughs> My word, we have a bunch of folks out there who would not have been sitting down yet had they taken crayons to their bedroom walls, and I am one of them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's I, a good story, though. Yeah, but I was given aces in the, in the parent department, no doubt. Oh, my goodness, ever, ever were you ever. Oh, uh, yeah. Now, we're going to put a patent on your mom and dad. I, 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 I think they'll be pleased to hear that. Yeah, seven one four. Or put them in mass production. Hey, that might that might help. The I world think out. that would be a dandy idea. Seven one four five four five two zero seven. What did you do with the kid? What did you play? What kind of mix-up you might have gotten in? <laughs> what kind of thing that your parents said? Well, I'll let you get away with this. What can of- you top Walden with no clothes in yes. the inbox? Yes. And if you can, maybe you'd better not call. <laughs> This is good, though. Yep. This is good. Okay. Did you play street games like hopscotch or jump rope or um, what did what did boys do and what did girls do? Well, gosh, um, 
we played. I mean, we, we, we played, played hopscotch. Yeah, we played. I didn't play hopscotch. Okay. Girls did. Yeah, especially in California, we played a lot of baseball. That that was year round here in okay. California. Well, with the weather, sure it would be. Yeah, year round. It, was, it was year round. So we we played baseball and we played. Uh, we what we played baseball was we used the garage at the right zone. So my brother developed a really good picture, and I would bat at the blind guy. So I had to be cool when. When my brother said pitch, when the ball was in the air, that way I knew when to swing. And so the neighborhood would get around, we just played ball and uh, had a good time. So that that was a big thing. And then then what we also were totally big baseball fans, Patricia. And I still have them today. We have a major stuffed animal collection that my brother and I did, basically in order to develop our own baseball teams in the house. And though we designed baseball stadiums throughout the house, so the living room was Oakland, which had a big center field wall, so we used the big couch. And then each of our bedrooms, mom, dad, my, I, we had our own stadium with chairs and blankets, and we would play stuffed animal baseball with a nerf ball. See, that's creative. Yeah, and we took... No, that's play pretend. And we took our tennis shoes and thongs and made baseball bats. So that, that was some of the you stuff. You need to take a patent out on your parents. <laughs> And put them into mass production. This is for sure. Yeah, yeah. So that's some of the that's some of the stuff we did. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, seven one four five four five two zero seven one. I got a bunch of stuff for tonight. Tell me, what you got? What you got? What you got? You got anything good? You got anything well, good? Got trivia. We always have trivia, sure. and I'm gonna have to start adding some new questions because. I'm not running out, but it's a little bit lower than usual, the pot of selection. So we have trivia tonight if you answer a trivia question. Did Patricia didn't do her homework? I beg your pardon? Did Patricia did not do her homework? Oh, boy, did Patricia do homework? Okay. Oh, my goodness, okay. yes. Okay. She just doesn't have any extra questions right now. Oh, okay. But, well, I mean, I've got a bunch of questions. Uh -huh. I just have to start adding to them now. So, and I've got history notes for this time of the year and for 1945, which is when our Fibber show is from. We have two shows tonight. We have a Fibber show and a surprise show. Mm -hmm. And we have our weekly Try to Stump Walden question. It can't be done. It can't be done. Oh, oh, wait, wait. <laughs> what happened last week? What happened? Well, that was, a new, that was last year. Last week was, it was the first. <laughs> Who are you trying to fool here? Just trying to see if you knew the calendar. You're trying to see if I'm awake. Yeah. Well, I am. I know. Not for long. Okay. <laughs> okay, so we've, we've got a Stump Walden question, and we got him last week. I asked you who the first Flash Gordon was. Who, who was the first to play Flash Gordon on the radio? Mm -hmm. And what did you say? Well, I th I I get the Matt Crowley. I knew it was either Matt Crowley or Gail Gordon, so I went with Matt Crowley. And it was Gail, Gail Gordon. Gordon. Yeah. It was Mayor Latrivia. That's right. Matt, that man's career was just astounding, absolutely astounding. He he was the most wonderful character actor, and I'm guessing I haven't done a whole lot of reading about him. Did he have serious stage? Uh, Very much so. Experience too. Very much so. He came from England. In England, I know. He, he came from England, and uh, he was a dramatic actor, and that's why Jim Jordan was really scared of giving even a comedy role in Thurman Game Molly. He didn't think he could handle it. Yeah, surprise, surprise. And huh? then, of course, then his his mom, his true life mom, 
Gail Gordon. Uh, she, no, Gloria, Gloria Gordon. Gloria Gordon. Yeah, Gloria Gordon was the landlady for my friend Irma. She did a couple of other things as well, mm-hmm. um, name name brand type things that people would recognize. Right. But I guess most of her work, except for that show, was... And, and then in the TV show, uh, Armist Brooks, I never knew this was true, but I, I was at that girl, that Gail Gorn's true life wife during the TV run was actually his wife on the Armist Brooks TV show. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I'll tell you what. Nepotism. <laughs> <laughs> and, Nepotism. In his, and in his 80s, he would what? go up to Canada during the summer and do dinner theaters. Wow. He had it in his blood. I guess. I, you know, gosh darn it. You know, I, I ask Frank periodically, and I'll, I'll ask him mm-hmm. until I can't talk any longer. How in heaven's name... People who grew up in, in, especially in radio, have and had the stamina to continue performing as they do. Now, Shirley Mitchell, you saw Shirley today. Yeah, so Shirley in her 90s. Right. Knocking down. And you saw Gloria McMillan. Yep. Who's a, who's a kid? You know, Gloria will only be uh, 78 her birthday. She's the kid of the bunch. She's, she's the little kid she, of the she's bunch. She's the little, and, and June for a 93. And... And June, right. I forgot about June. She's in her 90s. 93. And, you know, I ask Frank all the time, or, or repeatedly. I have asked him several times. I don't ask him all the time. How and why does this happen so frequently within that select group of people? And, you know, he, he kidded a little bit mm-hmm. and said, well, you know, we always had lunch across the street. And the, <laughs> the afternoon shows were a little looser than yeah. the... Uh, in the morning shows, but and he said we were we were well preserved. But seriously, uh, his serious answer was, people in all time radio don't know how not to work. It's just part of it. They get up and they go to work. Also, I wonder if it was it because for them it was natural. It was. It, it was natural. It was natural. In other words, there was no stress. They could just get up on mic. And I, I would not think that. I mean, there were an awful lot of people who um, were not necessarily frightened by the mic, mm-hmm. but they, they were, they twanged. Yeah. Uh, they, they were concerned about performances, and mm-hmm. it was um, uh, with perfectionist streaks. So I'm, I'm not sure that even, even if it came naturally, it was not an easy thing for them. Um, but they made it sound easy, and that's that's the trick. Like in the, in the writing yeah. arena, people will say, oh, jeez, I could have written that. Look at how easy that is. And, well, and the answer is the easier it is to read, the harder it was to write. Sure. I and talking... I think the same thing translates to radio performances. The easier it is to hear it, the harder it was to perform it. Uh, but I was talking to Gloria after the performance, and, they, and she just loved this. She loved to perform. I mean, she's done it since she's three years old, mm-hmm. almost 75 years. And I think it, it, it's, it tells you how important the people who are blessed that can make a living and think they love to do, they're, they're one of the most blessed people on the face of the earth. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, you, and, and you, they do love it. They absolutely love yeah. their work. Yeah. 
wasn't necessarily easy for them. And yeah. there were times when, like with Phil Harris, I have this image of him hopping, mm-hmm. hopping cars and fences, mm-hmm. getting from Jack Benny's studio over to his studio for the Phil Harris and Alice Faye show. Yep. It, I mean, it, and it was just second nature to these people to do things like that. Yep. Imaginable today. You know, I mean, I, I interviewed Les Tremaine and knew him, and he was one of the very few actors in Chicago who did 45 shows a week, Patricia. Does that make you want to go, oop? Wow, that's a lot of work. Hello. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, well. Well, one of the things that we have tonight, speaking of 45 shows a week, mm-hmm. is Walden sent me this wonderful book. For Christmas, Radio Stars, and it's got many biographies of 953 performers and people associated with old-time radio. And they're short. They're, you know, they don't go on for pages and pages. Some of them are only a single paragraph long. Yeah. Can you read the index? Maybe read some names. You don't, we don't have to read any of these biographies, but just give a sample of what kind of names people well, make. Well, you're going to get a sample. Yeah. I'm going to read Harlow Wilcox tonight. I know. I thought oh, maybe you might want. Okay, let's see. I thought maybe you want to read a variety of some of the names in the index. Okay. Well, oh, Benita Hume. Uh-huh. Who is Benita Hume? Everybody, say it all together. <clears throat> she is Ronald Coleman's Ronald wife. Coleman's wife. Yeah. Right. Um, and we've got Barbara Luddy yeah. and um, Harry James, Bob Hope, John Hodiak, Charles Higgum. Loads and loads of people. Yeah. I mean, loads. Oh, look at this. It looks like Barbara. Miriam Wolf. Miriam Wolf, yes. Who was Miriam Wolf? Well, she was the. Pretend in The Witch's Tale. Right, but she was also best known. She and Gwen Davies, who I had on the show in Pennsylvania, they were the two girls that sang the theme song for Let's Pretend. Okay, so she was a singer. She yeah, was, well, she was a singer slash actress, but she was known for Let's Pretend. And, but she, that they always sing, Cream of Wheat, it's so, go, it's so good to eat, and we have it every day. It makes us strong, and we want to run, and, and shout hooray. Uh, she wasn't the one who pretended to be a witch on The Witch's Tale, was she? Yes, she was. Oh, this gorgeous woman was so bad. Yes. <laughs> the Witch's w- Tale is one of my... These are awful shows. Yes. Um, I have two of them in my really awful shows yeah. file. And she did that when she was 15 years old. Well, um, she's forgiven. But what a beautiful uh, woman she is. Oh, yeah. Picture of her in here. Really, very pretty woman. So, Monty Woolley. Yeah. Uh, really, I guess Bill Goodwin, my goodness. Freeman Gosden, Alan Sons, all of the people whose names we know. Yep are in this book, and later you're going to hear about Harlow Wilcox. It's a fun book to have. Everybody has to sit up and pay attention. It helped, it, 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 it's, a, it's a great book. I've read it cover to cover, and I thought, I thought Patricia could, should have one, too. Well, Patricia appreciates it, and, and right now she thinks she should have one, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very nice book, Walden. It really is terrific. Well, it, it helped supplement the John Dunning book. Well, you know what's what's really good uh, for someone with attention deficit disorder is that I can just I can flip this open mm-hmm. and read a couple of paragraphs and come away. I mean, and, and you don't have to read it from cover to cover. No. You can just do any page at all, right. and uh, it's fun. Yeah, you get to learn fun. Just flip it open and read a paragraph, and there you go. All right, then I then I feel as smart as Walden. I know it's a great it's a great tool. I have a humdinger of a trivia question. 
I figured you might. Well, I mean, not for you, but this is a real humdinger for oh. everybody. And by the way, where is our family tonight? We've been on for almost 45 minutes, and we have not had a single family member call. They are going to play hooky. <laughs> They're out painting and playing games and baseball and drawing on the sidewalk. Um, okay, here's the humdinger. Ray from Chicago. Thank you, Ray from Chicago. Ask this question. And I went and I looked up the answer. So my question for everybody is, because we've been into horses. I mean, last week we had um, Joker for Jingles and Buckshot for Wild Bill Hickok. Who rode the horse Toronado? Oh, that's a toughie. It is a very hard one. I didn't have a clue. Who rode the horse Toronado? Now, Ray asked it backwards. He asked me, he, he asked about the rider, what he rode. So I just thought it would be kind of nifty to uh, just throw the horsey's name out. So, a horsey, and, and, a horsey and, was so, named Toronado. So too bad Ray doesn't know the answer. <laughs> well, he does now. <laughs> uh, 714-545-2071. I know some of you... Wish you've been able to get in the last few weeks, and you can get in right now. The phone lines are open. The water's warm, and feel good. Or you have your own beverage, as long as it's not non-alcoholic, because we got to have somebody sober around here anyway. <laughs> I beg your pardon. <laughs> in case you haven't noticed, I've been able to read my notes. Well, I wasn't counting about you and I. We're, we're, we're going to send you to bed. I'm already uh, sitting on my bed. I have to go to your room pretty soon. Somebody knows I'm where Toronado is? I, I am in my room. Hello there, Your Honor Patricia. Hey, that's Dick Dyer there, sure. How are you doing, Dick? Dick Dyer, how in the world are you? <laughs> it's kind of cold back here in Iowa. How cold? Oh, how cold is it? Well, let's call it one. Woo! One degree? That's what, that's what my computer says. Woo! One degree. Computers don't lie. Weather people <laughs> lie. Computers don't lie. Yeah, I was talking about old time stories. About, yeah. Uh, I, I tell you, mine. We had uh, two sisters. We used to make a mid, uh, make believe town out in the garden, uh, grove, mm-hmm. and the girls would take the broom and sweep the streets. You know, make it flat, straight, mm-hmm. dirt. Yeah. And uh, we'd make a a box. You know, like a gas station or a doctor's office mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Different things around the yard. We'd uh, make to look like it was something. And then I remember, not not change the subject on that, but my folks had some of the guys around from the neighbors, and they put a rope around my legs. I was just a kid, you know, five years old. <laughs> they put a rope around my legs and let me down in a 15-foot well. Oh, no! With a well, with a pail to pick up rocks, I guess. I don't know. Oh, my God! You couldn't do that today. It'd be child abuse, wouldn't it? Oh, my God! Well, we could come visit somebody in prison for the next 47 years. Wow. <laughs> I, I just barely remember that, but it's scary to thought about it. Oh, what yeah. if the rope broke? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, you just gave me the shivers. Wow. You know when you get one of those zingers in your tummy? <laughs> it just goes zing. I know it ain't a dream, but... Uh, it, that is scary. You know. What was uh, just talking about that grove, you know, with the make-believe yeah. town. That was our girl's idea, I guess. What did you grow up? Is that where you got your household water from the well? Did you get drinking water from the well? Yes. Uh, it wasn't too deep, you know, but it was, 
Well, I just remember like 15 feet or so, and I'd take the pail with me down there and bring up rocks, I guess. I don't know for sure. Head first in a well, uh, yeah. drowning, you know? Ay, ay, ay. I think, uh, I'm sure it wasn't a dream, but I, it scares me now to think about it. Uh, and I think with good reason. Um, I, I find it very interesting that the, one of the first things that you mentioned, actually it was the first thing, that you would create this little town and the girls were out sweeping the streets. Oh, yeah. I, I found that really intriguing, Dick. <laughs> I forget what other things we used, you know, was nice but it was that was, and we used to take a, a lath, you know, and put a T on the end of it, and push a wheel around. That was our toy. Made, okay. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You don't see that anymore. No. no, you don't see any of this anymore. <laughs> you don't see a cardboard box anymore. You can't find a cardboard box. That's right. Yeah, kids get in a box. That's a big toy for them now. So I see. Some. Hey, Boy, I don't remember doing that. I guess we did that too. Santa Claus brought it or something. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought I'd tell you about the grove. Oh wow! I still remember that. That that is pretty cool stuff. Um, do you have? Hey, uh, uh, do you ever get any uh, Whistler shows on tape or anything? Sure. You don't you don't hear very much of that, do you? Um. I may even have some, Dick. Would you like them? Oh, yeah, I sure have. I haven't got any, I don't think. Maybe one or two. All right, let me see what I can come up with. I'm I'm almost positive we can find some for you. Um, you don't need because I've never talked to you on, on the show before, have I? No. Oh, okay. Well, you automatically get the whistler then. If I can find him, you've got the whistler. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I mean, how much easier can it get? You know? <laughs> That's right. Just pick up the phone and call, and you can wind up with radio shows. Uh, are Are you in the market for a trivia question, and maybe you could do double, and you never have to do nothing? Well, I don't know. Check. <laughs> oh, okay. We'll do this one. Abbott and Costello were a comedy team. What were their first names? Abbott and Lou. Abbott, Cost Abbott. Abbott and Costello. What were their names? Their first names? Lou and Bud. Oh, Got right. it. All right. You done good. Oh. Now what else? That means you get two CDs. Uh -huh. <laughs> what else do I need? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that. Well, well, Mister, you know, I did go to uh, Spurvac years ago mm -hmm. when, uh, I was, when I was in LA, and uh, I remember getting one of them uh, billion-dollar checks, you know, and oh, uh, yeah. I gave it to somebody, and I can't remember. I got a little soaked in some water. I had had it in a deal where it got flooded. You know. Ah. Uh, oh, Marvin. Remember the Miller. guy who used to announce that? Yeah, Marvin Miller. Yeah, he was one to give it to me. Oh. Oh no. Yeah. That was back in the seventies. <laughs> oh gosh, those are treasures. Those are treasures. Those are the kinds of things moms throw away. But you had. Uh, oh, now, really Dick. I know you told me in the past that you should attend some of the old radio shows. Which one did you see? In person. Didn't you see some uh, of the old radio shows? I saw a lot of movie stars. Yeah. Stuff. Jimmy Stewart. Uh-huh. Richard Boone. Wow. I met Elvis in Las Vegas one time. Mm. Did you really? Autograph. I got his autograph for my stewardess. This <laughs> <laughs> is very accommodating because today is Elvis's birthday. Really? Really. 
boy. He's been gone a long time, you know. Yeah, I know. Uh, he sure has. But I, I was I, in the Hawaii when I was riding in the bus, you know, and the guy in front, of the next seat of forward, had a newspaper, and uh, he lifted it up, you know, the headline, Elvis Dead, and I just couldn't believe it. Yeah, it was... 1977. 77? Is that, my gosh. My gosh, and he was what? Time ago. 42? 42 years old? Yep, 43. That's, that's kitty stuff. 42. That is kitty stuff. Uh, he died at 42 years old. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Wow. I saw him. I saw him in Las Vegas in '73, uh, hmm. and the hotel. He had just been gambling over one of them roulette wheels or whatever it was, huh? walking across the room. Didn't have no security with him or nothing. Oh my goodness! I stopped him, you know, and just and well, two or three more came up after I did talk to him. It was quite a deal. I didn't little did I know that he was going to be that big then, you know. Yeah. I'd have got two autographs. <laughs> Funny. Well, I did fly Merv Griffin one time and his son, Tony, uh -huh. from Palm Springs to Los Angeles in a DC-3, you know. Right. That was a big deal. And they had All he had along with him was his bodyguards, just like four or four people, I guess it was. Yeah, wow. In the WA terminal, you know, and uh -huh. told the co-pilot to tell the uh, tower that we had VIP on board, so they we went right into the TWA concourse right next to the jets and everything and let Merv off. Of course, the big wheels came out and did the, take the bag, you know, for Merv and all that stuff, you know. I think you're pretty important, but they wouldn't have done that for you. <laughs> no. I think my biggest and one I'm most proud of is uh, I had General Doolittle and Chuck Yeager on an airplane one time. Whoa. You know, you're talking Yeager about the dynamic duo. Yeah. Well, yeah. I had do little more than once, but Chuck Yeager once. Wow. Yeager is still alive. He told me, he says, Dick, my, my success is attributed to my eyes. He says, I still got 20-20 vision at that time. You know? yeah. And that, that's why he was such a good pilot, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Uh, Gosh. Um, let's see. You need an address to you? I need an address, but I also need a second radio program that you think you might like if I can find it for you. Oh, any mysteries, you know. Oh, you like mysteries. Tape or something like that. And when you say mysteries, you mean like detectives or mystery Nero Wolf or? Well, like suspense or escape. Oh, okay. All right. Those oh are spookies. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They're all pretty good. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess... Uh, um, I, you post office box three eight five in Ayrshire, Iowa. When, 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 I don't want people showing up at your door, but a post office box, I guess, is okay. If you could send it to me at my Hotmail account, that would be terrific. My address. Are you ready for this? I have. I have your uh, email address uh, written down. Okay. Florida, Florida something. Florida writer. Yeah, I got it written Florida. down. Okay, as long as you got it written down, Florida writer. You want me to send the information to you? You, and you send your address to me, and I will send some radio shows to you. Hey, very good. This is very cool. I'm so glad I got a chance to say hi. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I enjoy listening to you guys once in a while. I try to get whenever I can, you know. I know. You're, you're, a, good, you're a good man. You're a you put in many hours. I, I, I have to give up on you sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to wait that long. <laughs> Well, you know, sometimes you could just go to bed, and when you wake up, we'll still be here. Oh, well, I believe that. No, that's happened a couple of times. 
Well, Dick, I'm so happy that we got a chance to say hi, and I will get you some radio shows out. Thanks a lot. I'm so great. Appreciate it very much. Thanks for calling. Take care. All right, Dick. Thanks so much. Bye. Good night. He's a good guy. He sent me uh, videotapes, and he's have sent me interviews he's taped over the years with George Burns and different things like that. Wow, cool. Yeah. Good How guy. cool. Good guy. That is so neat. 714-545-2071. I think she got that memorized by now. I do, I do. I mean, I, I had it memorized even before you asked me. <laughs> That's pretty it's good. true. That's pretty good. We have trivia questions. We have history stuff. And today really is Elvis's birthday. Hey, you can put, you, is, is that Iowa? Is that the first time down on your map? <gasps> I can put Iowa on I my think, map. I think Iowa. I think, map. Let I me think Iowa. That. God, I have it hanging up right next to me, and now it's not hanging up anymore. It's in my little hands. And Hot I little hands, there. Dot in that little bubble state right there. Okay, I got a dot. All right. Now, thank you. Every time I get, we get a call from someone, I get to put another dot on my map, and this is so cool. Got lots of dots now. That's good. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. One thing Patricia and I have been forgetting to do: give out our email. If you want to get a hold of Patricia at any time, 27, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, it's pretty simple. Florida Writer at Hotmail dot com. Florida Writer at Hotmail dot com. So email box is open twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. That's true. And if anybody has anything from me with the name Comcast on it, because I do have some Comcast accounts, just throw them away because in four days they're not going to exist any longer on changing service providers. So that's where I spend part of my day. Do you know how many places we log emails? No. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I pay my bills online, so I had all of those to change over. I uh -huh. get my bills electronically, you know, through my email. Right. So, you know, they bounce back, and that's not a very well, maybe, good thing. Hey, you know, maybe that's, that's a good, I got credit cards. Maybe, maybe that's a good thing. They can't find you, so they, they just give you free money. Yeah, right. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they, give, they give my name to collection agencies, and the police come to my door is what they do. So, anyway, I'm busy changing over, but if anybody has anything with the name Comcast on it that belongs to me, just throw it out because they will be no longer. And if you want to get in touch with Walden, Walden is available 24 hours a day. He doesn't even go to bed. And he's Walden Hughes, H-U-G-H-E-S. It's W-A-L-D-E-N-H-U-G-H-E-S at yesterdayusa.com. Yeah. That's a pretty easy one. Boy, Elvis is, for, is birthday 76 today. Wow. And 76? Yeah, that's you know, People just stop in time. They absolutely stop for me. I, I see, old, I like old movies. I'm not a, um, much of a movie person, but if I find an old black and white movie, I'm mm -hmm. more likely to, uh, to spend some time with it. And those people are just frozen in time for me. So if I see uh, clips of them in later interviews, like there were a couple of times um, Betty Davis, for example, was featured in some of the final interviews or the older interviews, and I think, my gosh, that's not the Betty Davis I saw last week, you know? But imagining Elvis Presley as 76 is just off my screen. Well, I, I remember the night we, when we heard that, I think we were just flipping on TV to, and we were about ready to have dinner, and that's when I remember the news broke. 
I'm actually in book earlier in the day, but that's where I remember our family. And we, the fam- mom and dad just wanted to keep it on that channel, you know, to get to watch the news. Yeah. But uh, that's what I remember. Yeah. It was, it was a very, very sad end to um, an equally sad bunch of years. Yeah. You know, he was a, a simple, down-home person with um, a really gentle spirit. Yeah, very much so. And then three days later... We lost another giant. You remember who that might have been? No. Groucho Marx. And Elvis eclipsed him. Uh huh. Wow. Yeah. No, I did not remember that. Yep. Groucho. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. Give us a call. We'd love to talk to you. The the water's warm. The uh, phone lines are open. And see if you can win a CD. How about first time caller? We got Dick, who was the first time she had a chance to talk, talk to Patricia. So anybody else new out there? You know, I, I we'll be gentle. We'll get <laughs> we'll give you we'll give you plenty of clues. We'll, we'll, I I have a secret to tell everybody. If you if you call in and ask a tri- you get asked a trivia question, Patricia won't give up until you find an answer. So don't worry. That's a secret, yeah. That's, that's the secret. That's a secret. That's the Who's secret. Who's buried in Grant's tomb? Um, I think Grant. <laughs> Somebody's calling to tell us who's buried in Grant's tomb. Who is buried in Grant's tomb, caller? I hope Grant's buried in Grant's tomb. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I, did he win a prize? Does he win a prize? What the heck? All right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is there a duck involved dropping down from the ceiling? There you go, $100, right? Didn't that duck Wait give a Wait a minute, hold it, hold it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> uh, uh, no. Oh, a duck in Arkansas that's falling from the sky? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh. Is this Dan? This is Dan. How are you doing? Hey, all right. It took me a second to recognize your voice, Dan. I'm fine. And Happy New Year. I'm sorry? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Walden. Same to you, Dan. How's everything? I I guarantee you're not in my front yard uh, in the nude, uh, in the sand. Oh, are you sure? It's seven degrees here. Woo-wee! Well, no, he's not playing in your sandbox. No, no, and I can tell you it's it's warmer than that here in California. I can guarantee that. Uh, I hope so. We're getting the the weather right off the North Pole, I believe. Wow. Is, is Santa and his sleigh coming back? Is that is that's where the North Pole coming through, the wind and everything? Or what's going on in Indiana? Is this a, I, Canadian, a Canadian high that's marching through? I checked mid-afternoon. I woke up at 6 uh, this morning. It was 24 degrees. By 9 a.m., it had dropped to 16 degrees. Oh. We had about an inch of snow that just iced over everything, and um, I checked the National Weather Service. It was 35 degrees in uh, Alaska. So it's a good time to plant cotton, right? Good time to plant cotton, yeah, yes, yeah. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, uh, I heard you. the University of Kentucky was playing in one of the bowls in Birmingham, mm-hmm. and they cautioned people here to come back uh, on uh, Saturday night because starting mid-afternoon tomorrow... They were going to get between two and seven inches of snow. 
Birmingham. Wow. I, I caught the Weather Channel just a little while ago, and there's an entire belt that runs across the center of the, the nation. Everybody's getting it. Virginia, Alabama, Tennessee, Georgia, uh, the Midwest, I mean, just and Central. Everybody's getting it, except us. I just the, the weather came on the local station here at uh, 1120 our time, about oh, 15 minutes ago. And uh, we're going to be above freezing again next Saturday for a high of 34 degrees. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'll see if so, I can stuff some warm air in an email to you. How, how cold is it in Florida right now? Well, right now it's 56. 56. Well, I mean, if we're this cold here, I'd hate to think, you know, that you're not going to get, you know, at least in the probably upper 40s for lows. I would now, think. Don't be sassy. Mind your manners now. <laughs> Last week and the week before, we were into the 20s at night. I thought you were down, yeah, uh, I thought the orange crop was going to be threatened. Well, the, the orange crop, I think, made out okay, but our vegetable farmers were just wiped out. We had too many nights in a row, and it just wiped them out. They're finished until the next planting. Wow. They're finished, they period, because this happened last year. They can't sell frozen vegetables? <laughs> no, they can't sell frozen vegetables. That was very good, Walden. <laughs> okay. That was a good one. All right. We'll give them a half a point okay. for that one. Okay. And I thought we'd buy frozen vegetables in the store. Well, we do. Okay. But you're not going to pick them here. Okay. That's for some mush, mush, mush. Mush, mush. I think the strawberries were okay, though. Strawberries apparently fare bad, which is surprising because they're full of moisture. But I've read now in a couple of places that strawberries fare better than winter vegetables, like um, cucumbers and squash and peppers and things like that. They're all wiped out. So wow. Go mm. stock up because it ain't coming from Florida anymore this year. That's right. That's right. Really you, were talking, you were talking earlier about how we played as children. Mm-hmm. And I have to admit, as a child uh, growing I would imagine the tractor was a little bit more fun than hauling hay. So it was, yes, the tractor was really fun, and, you know, you were told, now you have a responsibility of, you know, driving that tractor, not crashing the tractor, uh -huh. you know, for people, you know, not running over anything, you know. Um, and because if you did, then you wouldn't be able to have that privilege of driving the tractor. Hey, can you imagine that, you know, no. being told it? You know, at six years old, but, you know, driving is a privilege, you know, instead of a right or, you know. I mean, there's people probably much older than, you know, probably, you know, in their 50s who... Did you have did you have chores before you went to school? What was, your, what was living on the farm like? What was your schedule like? We didn't do chores prior to school because we had to be on the bus by about 7 in the morning okay. for about an hour, 45 minutes, about 45 minutes to an hour ride to, to school, mm -hmm. but when we uh, got home in the evening, uh, we would um, put on our old clothes and we would, uh, uh, once again, we had a um, Ferguson tractor, it was a, known as a TO-30 Ferguson tractor, 30 horsepower tractor, 
And for many years, we had a trailer that was actually the bed of a of an old Ford. I'm not even sure what model Ford that we hooked on the back of the tractor. And we would load hay because we had about 50 head of cattle that we had to tend to, and we would load the hay on the trailer and go out and feed. You know, when we got home from school about four o'clock in the afternoon, and uh, then we. For many years, just had a pond for a water supply, and of course, as cold as it is now, the pond would freeze and refreeze. And you either, for the most part, you could take an axe and cut the ice on the pond. We we would cut little, you know, square uh, holes in the ice for the and the cows to come up and get water that way. How many acres of hay did it take to feed fifty cattle? We had. Um, one field that was about 16 acres, and then we had another field that was about nine. Uh, some years we would rent uh, farm land from neighbors, and we would uh, have to seed or fertilize that acreage and bale hay. Um, we square bale hay many years, and then we uh, we put rails in our hay barn, and then we started raising tobacco. Then we switch from baling square bales to baling round bales because round bales you can keep outside in the water. By baling hay and wrapping the hay in a roll, uh, you would lose some of the outer portion of the large hay roll, but the inner part was still uh, pretty fresh. was still fresh. Were you listening when Nolan Kenner told his story about what he would tell his kids about the roll, the, the bale the round bales, the rolled bales. No, I, I didn't hear that. He would tell them when they were out on the road traveling, he would tell them if they got up early enough and hurried out so that they could get on the road fast, that they would be able to see the cows rolling up their bedrolls. <laughs> Gosh, that, time. It worked every time. You know, I bet it did. I bet it did. Yeah, the kids wanted Great. to see the cows rolling up their, their bedrolls. I believe during... We, uh, let me think now. When Hurricane Ike came into Texas a few years ago, uh-huh. uh, the wind was so strong here, uh, there were some fields where I saw round bales of hay that were literally pushed by the wind. Of course, we had 81-mile-per-hour winds here in Louisville at the airport. That's, that takes a lot of power to move one of those things. How much do they weigh on average when they're first baled? I'd say in the neighborhood of about a ton, easily. That's a lot of hay. I mean, you know, when they're green, when the hay, right after you bale the hay, the hay is green. It weighs more then than, you know, in the middle of the winter. Right. But, there, you know, there were times when we had a diesel tractor. We had a Massey Ferguson 255 diesel tractor. It was a 1977 model, which at the time it was new. Uh, and, you know, we used it for the next 20 years. Uh, diesel, and I don't know if you know about diesel engines, diesel engines are really hard to start in cold weather. So mm -hmm. we would put an electric heater in the um, engine through the, um, well, it was in the engine block. We would plug that into an electrical outlet and would heat the oil in the engine, which would make it, Mm -hmm. easier to start. Right. Well, even even doing that in weather this cold when it was near zero, 
sometimes you couldn't get the tractor to start. And there were a time or two when we would roll the hay out to the kettle. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do? You have kettle over here, you've got hay over here, and it's like, you know. Uh, you to bring the cattle to the mountain, then the mountain to the cattle. <laughs> well, so you have to keep them in the fence, too. So, you know, it's kind of like, well, we'll just uh, roll this out there, you know. My goodness. But the, the heated dipstick um, is, we used it up in New York. We were north of New York City, and uh, it, would, it would get pretty cold there in the wintertime. But we, <laughs> I had a Volvo. I mean, Volvos are really great. My first car was a Volvo. I just loved it. And the second car was not so great. They were trying new things, and it's like a medicine. You want to make sure that they have all of the bad side effects taken care of before you take the new medicine, and we should have done that with the car. But um, it wouldn't start if, if, if it were extra rainy and humid. It wouldn't start. If, really? um, if it were cold, if it were below 32 degrees, it wouldn't start. So the, the, the heater, the dipstick in the, uh, in the oil, we would yeah. um, use the electric dipstick, and it would help. <laughs> You'd have to remember to take it out, of course, and put the dipstick back in. But, um, but uh, so I, I know what you're talking about. But sure. you're, you're just uh, you're in real cold territory there. Yeah, that's so. Wow. Gee, you are not. I mean, we would we would get a bad day once in a while, like you're talking about right now. But this is this is pretty much expected stuff for you in the winter time well that's un i mean yes and no some winters we have temperatures that barely get into i mean lows that barely get into the teens and it's like you know this winter you know it's really been i mean it's been this way since the first of december uh -huh. and um and i don't see any changes anytime soon okay. uh there's they're saying that we're probably going to have snow at least through the end of january you know uh, a chance of snow, and they're calling for snow here yeah. um, every day through Wednesday. So, in the northeast, those poor mm -hmm. folks—it's like a rabbit warren up there. You have to go under the snow instead of over it. I mean, they—they they just got hammered up there. Yep, dreadful. And we've, of course, uh, until this past week, had mm -hmm. really cold temperatures, mostly through December, and then you know right up to the new year. So somebody has ticked off Mother Nature. Your job, Dan, by next week is to find out who upset her. Well, how about that? <laughs> that's maybe, it's, maybe it's that imposter who used to sell chiffon. Yes, right. It's not nice to fool Mother Nature. <laughs> that's a good one. That is a good one. Do you have any idea what I was talking about? Um, and this isn't your real trivia question, by the way. This is, this is the humdinger that everybody uh, gets a shot at. Do you know who rode the horse Tornado? Tornado. Sometimes referred to as Tornado, but the real name was Tornado. Tornado. Hmm. I'm going to take a wild guess, and I am thinking Smiley Burnett. Nope. Nope. Okay. Am I close? Nope. <laughs> I mean, how could you get close to Smiley Burnett? What would be close to him? I don't know. I was just thinking of a sidekick, you know, one of the... Okay, um... okay. no, this is not a sidekick. I, I should have clarified that. No, it's not a sidekick. The rest of the ones I've been asking, you're right, were sidekicks, but this one is just um, just Toronado, all by himself. Toronado, hmm. Toronado. 
can't say that. No, I can't say who that would be, who the writer would be. Okay. I'm going to ask you... I have a question for you two. Uh-oh. It better be for Walden. I'm a dunce. Go ahead. <laughs> Walden, have you seen any trailers for the new Green Hornet movie? Yeah, not yet, but I've been hearing interesting reviews uh, about oh. it, and... I know I know a lot of uh, people are not too happy with it. Well, I have a question yeah. for you. Here here in the Midwest, we have Hardy Restaurants. Right. Yes. And they have been promoting a commercial with the Green Hornet, and they basically pull up to the drive uh, through to place an order, and all, I guess, the guy, Williams, character, and I right. forget his name, he, they're going to place an order, and he mistakenly tries to roll down the window, but somehow shoots off a cannon, blows up half the restaurant. <laughs> Is that all? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, this must be going to really be a joke for, you know, people who really wanted to see, you know, um, superhero, you know, or... I haven't heard very good things about the movie. Yes. So, um, I'm just stunned at what you're telling me. Exactly filling people full of confidence that they're going to have a good show with you. Here on the West Coast, it's Carl Jr. that is the sponsor for the Green Hornet. So I haven't seen seen the commercial for Hardy's yet. That that is something else. (laughs) That is something else. Probably YouTube, but it's... Oh, yeah, that's... I never really watched Green Hornet, you know, mm-hmm. but I kind of, you know, well, not what I'm expecting, you know. Yeah, well, this is, here's the scoop on the Green Hornet. Yes. Uh, according to our good friend Martin Graham, who wrote the book last year. Yeah. And for Martin's sake, let's hope it's a blockbuster movie, because it would help with book sales. But, um, they had decided to base the character of the Green Hornet strictly off the TV show. Nothing to do with radio. In fact, poor Martin, and I think this is ironic. I think if the New York Times or one of the local major papers in the East Coast called him, realized he had a book on the Green Hornet, and they wanted him to to talk about the origin of the uh, low range of, of the Green Hornet, yeah. and they wanted him to talk about the you know with the TV show, and he wrote back said, "Sure, I'll do the end, but don't you realize that Green Hornet Green Hornet started out as a radio show before he went to TV?" Yes. And they wrote back, no, you must be mistaken. It only started out a TV show. <clears throat> you must be mistaken. Yes. I, I saw that note on the digest, and I just lost it. I thought, <laughs> oh. this is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> they, they contacted like, an expert. That's like, saying, that's like saying, you know, it's the Pope Catholic. I know. <laughs> well, they contacted the expert, and he gave them an answer, and then they told the expert he must be wrong. <laughs> that is uh, that that's between mind-boggling and insane. You know, it's like. Is that who? Yeah, I have a question for you. For me or who? For you. For me, I I, I went off the clock at five o'clock this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what did I, I talk right over it? What did Whoa. I miss? <laughs> Dan, 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 Dan went home from school. He doesn't have to answer any more library questions. He's done. <laughs> Well, in that case, you don't get a CD. Aww. There, here are two phrases every man should learn. <laughs> yes, dear, and how may I help you? Oh, you're good. <laughs> Which one would you like to use now? 
How may I help you? <laughs> That's good. Okay. There was an American general during World War II who huh? earned the nickname the Green Hornet. Who was it? Yes. Gosh, Green Hornet. I'm not that up on World War II history, I'll fan. But, you know, as librarians, we are, you know, we have the capability of looking things up. You know, that's why we keep buying books and we have the Internet. Yeah, but why do all the Western librarian colleges all look up on Google first? Why do they do that, Dan? Do what now? I call all these Western librarians and well, I'll look that up on Google first. We don't use Google. We actually have things that you can, like, uh, you know, find, you know. Uh, actually, you know, books, that's what books, you use. Books, books, books. Uh, you know, yeah. with books, you know, things yeah. with pages, you know. Yeah. Not, not coupons, but uh, uh, books. Uh, you know, but I, it just, I get a hurt heart when I hear about an organization or a school or even a library thinking about it going to electronic everything. Their computers, their downloads. They, there's no such thing as a nice piece of paper that smells good and you can sit down. I mean, how do you curl up with a Kindle, for goodness sakes, you know? I don't know. They, they sold millions of Kindles. I do know over the uh, holidays. I think I heard where 12 million downloads happened the week after Christmas for Kindles and, and readers and all. That would sound oh. about right. I should be very grateful that people are reading. That's right. That's right. But, I don't think it should be an either-or. I think we should yeah. continue to have honest-to-goodness books. I don't think there's a greater scent in the whole wide world than an old, used bookstore. That's right. Oh, there, good stuff. Uh, and, you know, how much more uh, value can you get than buying, you know, a used book for a quarter or a dollar in a used bookstore? I know. I know. I mean, what do they have? Eye prints? Uh, nothing nothing wears out. Words don't wear out. Okay, were you looking up who the Green Hornet was while we were talking? Well, I'm trying to think who it might be. I didn't wasn't really looking, but you said Green Hornet during World War II. It's a general course, during World War II was nicknamed the Green Hornet. Was that MacArthur? Nope. Wasn't MacArthur. We don't have that many generals, so if you keep going. <laughs> what do we have, Walden? Five? I think we had five generals. Yeah, during. we had a. Well, he's one of the five. This is a five star. One of the five stars. Yeah. So you, 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 so you got one. You know, one down, four to go, Dan. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. See, I just need my books. Uh, now, I can, <laughs> I, I can tell you the Dewey number that will be in the nine forty point five. Oh man. Okay. 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 I don't, I don't have nine forty point five listed next to the name here. Uh, well, I have to say that's not the right answer. Uh, well, can I give a... This is a trivia question, by the way. This was just for the heck of it, because you were talking about the green... Green hornet. Yes. Well, can I give a hint? No. Okay. <laughs> when Walden starts giving hints, he starts shoveling like you're at a buffet. No, this one is just going to be a straight question. Who was the green hornet during World War II? Five-star general. Five-star general. I yes. don't know that offhand here. But, uh, and if anybody knows why, that'll really be a bonus. That's right. That's right. I have a question for Walden. Uh-oh. Think I know? Think I know? Go ahead, Dan. What do you got? Yes, yes. Uh, do you watch the ABC show Extreme Makeover Home Edition? No, I, I haven't seen it yet. I, I've heard the title, but I haven't had a chance to uh, pop that show up open yet. 
So the reason the reason I ask mm-hmm. is one of the there's been two families that have been given homes in Louisville for this extreme homemaker. No kidding. Yes. Wow. And ironically, one of the families was a Hughes family. Well, the branches of the Hugheses. Well, uh, the branch that I'm related is, is from uh, Iowa. Most of them from Iowa, and they they uh, went into they came into Virginia, so they didn't get into Louisville. They went to Virginia, then up into Indiana. I have ancestors that actually uh, sold the the, the Wabash. I see. And then they moved to Iowa, and I am related to uh, Howard Hughes. I see. But uh, but no, no, no shoes is that I know of from Louisville. So, I see. Yeah. So. Well, Patrick, Patrick Henry Hughes is a blind and a uh, young fellow. He's probably in his 20s now, mm-hmm. and he has been uh, blind since birth, but he's learned how to play the piano, and he's really, I believe he is studying to be a classic uh, pianist. Wow. And he is just incredible. I'm sure you probably could uh, find him on YouTube. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, he yeah. is just a very talented individual, very nice. And his he's also in a wheelchair. He plays for the University of Louisville Band. Mm-hmm. And even in the wheelchair, I believe he plays trumpet. His father pushes him in the marching band. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I mean, it's just amazing. That's great. And, uh... You know, I just was thinking, Hughes, Hughes. Hughes, Hughes, yeah. yeah. Got lots of Hughes around. Okay, want a real question this time? Sure, how about a real question? We'll give you a real question. What was the name of Perry Mason's secretary? Oh, gosh, what was her name? <laughs> was... uh, Barbara Hale. Well, then hush up now. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> I tell you, you're going to get sent to your room. I'm already there. You're going to get sent to your brother's room. Okay, I'll, I'll see you later. What's her name, Della? Yes, yes. Give me one more. Go, go. Della Overstreet? Della Street. You're close enough. This is it. You got it. Sounds great. That's... And we will will save the Green Hornet for somebody else and see what they can do. Okay, what kind of shows would you like? What kind of shows would I like? You know, I've been listening uh, to some Sam Spade here of late. Uh Uh-huh. And I've been really enjoying it. You were talking about earlier um, how uh, radio performers like to, you know, be active. Uh Uh-huh. And I was on YouTube, and I was looking at some clips of the old uh, Lucy show. And here's Lucy. And there is a clip on YouTube. It's uh, dealing with Vivian Vance. She was singing and portraying, uh, it was also an Arthur Godfrey um, guest appearance of the, uh, of the Lucy show. Vivian Vance is singing, and in this clip, um, Gail Gordon does a somersault. Oh, my gosh. So we're talking about, what, 1968? And it's just plain as day. You can't fake that. And I heard that he was capable of doing, you know, quite a bit of acrobatic, you know. <laughs> yeah, circus at some point. Was he what? A circus performer. 
I, I never read that. Walden, has, have you ever heard that Gail Gordon performed in a circus? I'm in my bedroom. I'm in my brother's bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's falling in the well. I can't hear him. <laughs> Patricia said, I'm in my brother's bedroom, so that's why I went. I, was, I had long enough uh, headset that I could walk in my brother's bedroom until Patricia wanted me back. Were you allowed out? Hmm? You, did you get your time out clearance? No, no, no. Good thing my mom and brother are watching a movie in the living room so I could sneak into my brother's bedroom. So I was waiting for Patricia to call me you back. You got a time out. Was Gail Gordon ever a circus performer? I've never heard of that, um, but, you know... You, you never know. I, you, you know, it might make it in, that, in, in the Radio Stars book. If you go on YouTube and if you uh, search for Steamboat Bessie. Okay. See him do a somersault. Wow. Uh, about, um, about two minutes into the two and a half minute clip. Well, I know, I know Gloria McMillan said that uh, it was, rehearsal was tough with Gail Gordon and Richard Crenna because all they did is do, play practical jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, Dan, is it Sam Spade that you want? Just any, you know, I, group. I have, lo I have loads of Sam Spade, and I have Philip Marlowe, too, which I love. Mm -hmm. Happy, happy? Yeah, that'll be fine. Okay, and Philip. Okay. Uh, for Gail Gordon, what was his last radio uh, show? Was that Armist Brooks? Well, I bet he did some of the Sears Mutual Theater in the late 70s, early 80s, uh, without me looking it up. But I, I would say of the of the of the runs, yeah, it would be Armis yeah. Brooks because Armis Brooks went to 57. Yeah, and yeah. then he went to what uh, on television to this of the minutes. Actually, um, right. Well, actually, he was doing both Lucy. He was. Uh, I think it was Dennis right away. Then what? Then Lucy. I think you're absolutely right. I think he was under contract with uh, for Dennis the Menace, and then that ended, and then he was able. To, well, I tell you what. Come to think of it, if I remember correctly, yeah. First year, the first year of um, the Lucy show, the bank, the bank examiner, the bank president mm -hmm. was actually Charles Lane, you know, this gentleman who lived to be 104 years old. Right, Charles Lane, yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've read about that. And mm -hmm. a, another another young young puppy and Patricia wonders how in the world did they get that old. Yeah. <laughs> very true, very true. But, uh, no, but uh, I think Gail Gordon never had any children. I think he and the wife, and they moved to San Diego, but they, they were highly active in dinner theaters in Canada. Uh, into the 90s, and practically, they were uh, oh. very active, and so uh, that's why it was always hard to get uh, Gil going to for a convention because he was on the road. Sure, he yes. was on the road, and uh, the Gasmans got him because he had a day off, and they went to the uh, Sportsman Live, Patricia, and did about a two-hour plus interview with them. Wow. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. That all. Yeah. Walden, have you done many oral history uh, interviews? I, I, yeah, I mean, it's it's classified uh, just interviews on the radio as oral interviews. Sure, I've I've done, okay. you know, I, my get my guess if I had a guess close to five hundred. Okay, well, the reason I'm asking, I'm writing a grant uh, to do some oral history interviews yeah. in the vein of the uh, is it the Television Academy? Yeah. 
Yeah. We, um, uh, I don't know if, you, uh, I just got an email, I don't know, Patricia got it. Um, there's a brand new one up of Fred Foy that I just received in my Dropbox account. And Larry Gaffman told me there's a whole bunch of those TV Academy interviews on the website. Yes, and people, I've been and watching pe- a few of those yeah. on YouTube, um, but I, um, I'm working on this grant, and I'm just asking people who might have done some oral history interviews. Um, I'm writing a grant. I'm wanting to do an oral history interview with some of our you know, older uh, residents of the county on various topics like banking, finance, uh, you know, health and how, education. How do you find grant? Can I, you know, I, 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 that issue been been lost to me in the last week or two. Are there a good reference guide to look for grant money or foundation money now? Uh, Dan, what, what's the best source for people to find such money anymore? There are some, uh, if you go to some public libraries or academic libraries, there are a series of books that you can get that are, let's see here, I'm going, I'm checking this out to give you the right topic here. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is the Foundation Center um, that provides uh, a database of grants, mm-hmm. and uh, you can, let me see if I can find the website real quickly here, uh, Foundation Directory Online, um, let me see if I can pull that up here, okay, but many libraries will have that, university libraries. Mm-hmm. I would just go on and do a search for Foundation Directory online. That should give you their web page and, you know, just Google that. Mm-hmm. And that should give you a library in your area where you can go and view the, uh, the series of books. I know mm-hmm. our library has them. Uh, Louisville Free Public Library has it here in the Midwest. Uh, Indiana University has that also. And uh, there's a map on their website that uh, will... You know, and, and it's a searchable database. Uh-huh. You can go in and search for, you know, any kind of keywords, you know, whatever you're looking for, or history, you know, just whatever topic. Right. They also provide the uh, 990 forms, which are the forms that nonprofit uh, uh, corporations um, provide the mm. IRS to. Mm. So, but, okay. you know, if you go online, oh, another uh, good uh, site is grants.gov. Those are uh, grants through the federal government, too. Okay. Those I have. Okay. Good. Good. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I'm just trying to gain as much information as I can. Well, you think it's hard to get grant grant money today, Dan, than it was years ago? I don't believe so, and I'm somewhat surprised. Mm -hmm. Of course, um, you know, with the new change in power in Washington, Maybe some of the grant money will be going away, but really, I tell you, the grant money that's being provided through the government is doing a lot of good um, work in communities, and I think a lot of our officials really use the money that's provided in grants as a re-election tool. I agree. The private foundations took an awful hit in the economic downturn. So the private ones are, are hurting. Yes, yes. I have a friend who works at a food bank, and they're, uh, within the last year, their request for uh, food assistance has gone up by 50%. Wow. So, you know, they're trying to, and, you know, it's 
that was the main thing that my line club district was raise money for food banks, for food charities. That yeah. seemed to be the biggest need right now for our, our communities around the country. Basic need. Yeah. Basic need. Sure. Yeah. Okay, Dan, I will get um, Sam Spade and Phil Marlowe out to you, and um, you are hereby requested to enjoy them. I will. I will for a fact. I'll do that here by the uh, kerosene heater. Woohoo! <laughs> right. <laughs> and they, they won't be flammable, so you're going to have to provide your own heat, but they're good listening. They'll make your ears happy. Wait, between Hurricane Ike that came through and we lost power for about seven days, then the ice storm we had last, let's see, let me think now. Two, two years ago this month, we had an ice storm and I lost power for about seven days. And I luckily had the kerosene here and cooked many meals by the kerosene here during that time period. That or ate right out of the can. <laughs> Indiana folks are resourceful, I'll tell you. They're hardy stock. <laughs> They're hardy. They're hardy stock there in Indiana. Indeed. Right. You, you haven't lived until you've gone a week with peanut butter and crackers and Viennese sausages and crackers and potted meat by Hormel or by Armour, actually. <laughs> Nothing like a nice armor, meat, uh, potted meat, and cracker sandwich. How about yep. that? Been there, done that. <laughs> it's always good <laughs> to hear from you, Dan. Thank you so much for calling, and um, oh my gosh, stay warm, would you please? I sure will. Okay, and thanks. Y'all take yep, care. Sir. I really appreciate it. All right, Dan, take care. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Dan, you can get... on our hoot list. 714-545-2071. Call me on Patricia Hoot List. I, I've got a hoot list. What the hoot? I heard from David Beto in Alabama. Is that a hoot? Pardon? Is that a hoot? That was a hoot. Oh, I heard okay. it last week. Okay. said, we yeah. haven't heard from David. That's so cool. I heard from him. I got an email from David. Yeah. Um, I got an email from Ray in Chicago. Hey. Got an email from Lucy in New York. Yeah, three. We just heard from Dan. That's four. We are still missing Cliff Dice. Okay, that's five. Cliff, where are you? Okay. Gardner. Can't. All right. Casey Ziegel. Yep. Maurice in Washington. Yeah, yeah. Been a couple of weeks, Maurice. Where are you? And Rich in New Jersey. Rich from New Jersey. Rich from New Jersey is recovering, I hope. Um, he had some surgery yesterday. Yeah. And we're just sending good thoughts and good wishes out to him. Absolutely. So, Rich, you're awake, you can give us a call. <laughs> right, he if, said he'd call you, next week. Yeah, if, if you're sound asleep, don't give us a call. <laughs> I should offer if, uh, if he's by a phone, we won't even make him dial next week. We'll but, just call him. There you go. Yeah. 714-545-2071. Won't wake, won't arrive, won't want phone calls for Patricia, because, you know... And we have two humdinger. Now, this, the, the um, Green Hornet one, we've had before, so I'm depending on people to remember. Green what's Hornet. The, what's yes. the, what, is the, what is the theme song for the Green Hornet? Does anybody know that? What? The theme song. The theme song? Yeah, I know. Oh, what's the name of the car? Oh, I know. What's the name of his assistant? I know. Hmm. 
What's the name of his secretary? Oh, just a minute. He always called her Miss... Yeah. That's right. Miss... Yeah. Somebody or other. Yeah. Miss somebody or other. Yeah. And it was Michael, what's his face, who always gave her a hard time. Right. Oh, boy, I think, knows. I think Patricia might be bailed out. Hello there, you're on with the first lady of Yesterday USA. Let's see, was Miss Case. Was oh, you're good, Ron, you're good. And you are so good. I think the flyer of Bumblebee was... Yep. Uh-huh. Yep, the flyer of the Bumblebee, yep. I knew that one. And the name of the car? The Black Beauty. Okay. Oh. The name of his assistant? Uh, Cato. Okay. Okay, what's the name of his, um, what, what was Michael's last name? Michael Axley. All right. Yes. All right, that's right. All right, all right. And what's the name of the newspaper? What's it, a certain sentinel? So, right, boy, oh boy, he knows his No. Or some... You are hot stuff. Wow. Or the Los Angeles Times. Or the <laughs> <old> Examiner. <laughs> you are hot stuff. How are you? Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. I can say Happy, Happy New Year. Last right? time Happy I talked to you was last year. Oh, no, I, no, I, I guess I did talk to you New Year's Day night, so. I know. Yeah, it's it been a whole year since you called us. It's 2010. 11. Yeah. You did call us last week because I asked you who was singing, and you said all of the people at this affair. All of the people. That's right. All the people in Hawaii. Yeah, all, you did call last week. That's right. I decided I can say Happy New Year right through June 30th because then that's the first half of the year that's over. And then we get to begin saying Merry Christmas. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're going to have the program again like Christmas in July. Yeah, sure. Patricia's only working on it. I'm, I'm, I've been working on it for weeks. Yeah. That's, that's always fun. Yeah, I know. Yeah. We're calling the South Pole this year. We're going to talk to a couple penguins instead. <laughs> Now that sounds like <laughs> you know, Oh, Paul. is out of control tonight. We we need to. Oh, I know. He he must have really got. I don't know what he ate for dinner. What he drank for. Uh, well, it's, it's called Walden with no sweep. Oatmeal or whatever. Yeah, Walden with no sweep. What? Walden with what? no sweep. Yeah, this is what you get with Walden when he has no sweep. That'll teach us. Yeah. I'm going to bed. <laughs> You've been working on a lot of stuff or something. Well, uh-huh. I sure have. I am trying to. I am trying to turn the world upside down. Yeah. Well, he's succeeding. Yeah. You know what I noticed that um, I didn't realize that um, Fred Fred Foy yeah. um, was a good friend with Jay Michaels, and Jay Michaels was a very good na- um, announcer, like. He, he did the announcing for Challenge of the Yukon, right? Correct. Yeah, he sure did. And I and he, but he acted. He had some acting parts on the. Absolutely, he had acting parts, and he had heart trouble. So a lot of time, he had to step out, and they used to have to pink ship for him. But he was such a good, good role player. Oh yeah. 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 Terrific role player. Very good. Yeah. But you know, you really f- funny. You really can't find people like Fred Foy. Um, and the guy that plays the Whistler, uh, what was his name now? Marvin Miller. And Marvin Miller? He was the announcer for the Phil Harris. Oh, yeah, B- uh, Bill. Bill, oh, no, wait a Oh, oh, my mind went blank. Yeah. Foreman. There you go. 
You know, he was overage and got drafted into World War Two. He had three. He had two kids and were overage and they drafted them. Why? They, How did that they screwed up, so they drafted him. That's why Marvin Miller had to cover both the role as the announcer, and he had to run over to the other microphone to be the whisperer. What a scary thing for his family! Yeah. Three kids. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right, I got another Green Hornet trivia question for you too. Go ahead. Both of us? Oh. Uh huh. I've got Ron to help me here. I know. Okay. Okay. What famous newscaster, news reporter, was the announcer in the Green Hornet in the early 40s, who is still with us today? Mike Wallace. Very good, Patricia. I think he's the only one from radio who is still with us. Well, yeah. Uh, uh, well, we got Cato uh, from the in front of the Diffies, uh, Paul Carnegie. He, he, he's not uh, a newscaster. No, but a newscaster, yeah. Yeah. But Mike Wallace with the announcer of the Green Hornet. Now you guys are talking about the movie, the Green Hornet movie or something? Yep, they're supposed to be, oh. it's supposed to be coming out this month. And Good. we have such high hope when they don't know radio part of the history. Isn't that thrilling to know? <laughs> <laughs> you mean it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a remake or is it something that they're putting it to? The maker using it as an offshoot from the TV show. Well, oh. there was a Green Hornet movie in the 40s. I don't remember that. Uh... The Green Hornet movie in the 40s. I didn't know they had one. I know they had a great Gillespie movie, somebody told me. That's right. They had uh, at least three or four, I think, that Hal Perry starred in. I think. Uh, well, TV show, too. Well, the TV show was with Willard Waterman, right? Right. As the great Gillespie. That's right. Yeah, because it came in, in, in later years. Um... When, well, that's very interesting. When, when, when TV came to Hawaii, when did TV come to Hawaii, and how long did it take uh, you to see the TV show? Did it take three or four weeks before they shipped the film? Well, uh, usually about a week. Okay. Yeah. We're always one week behind. Uh, not, not anymore, of course. With no. The computer is, you could hear your entire show. <laughs> when do you hang up? You can hear your entire show. Oh, no, not <laughs> There we go. That's right. Uh, I could be talking to you, and then a week later, I could hear myself. I know. That's there you go. Good. So, when did TV come to Hawaii? In the mid-50s? Uh, well, in, a, in the early 50s. Okay. Well, I'm surprised. It's Bob, of, yeah, somewhere around there. It came to Hawaii, yeah. But when, you, when, with the soonest, when were you on TV? When was the first time you were on TV? When it first when it came to Hawaii, about um, 1954 or thereabouts, yeah, I, I we, we we went on. Te- oh, it was a big deal when we went on television because you know it was just so innovative with cameras and uh-huh. all kinds of stuff, and it was exciting. But we were on TV, yeah. We went on, played the piano and stuff. I wish that we had saved. Uh, they, well, they didn't call it video, but save the film or whatever. Right. You know? That would have been kind of neat. So you were the, you, you the Oscar LeVan of Hawaii. <laughs> Oscar LeVan was a very fine... I, I know. Fine, fine, fine pianist and a great great humorist. And you, you, it was very funny. Yeah. You got both of them uh, down pat, hero. Ron. He's my hero. Who, Oscar LeVan? Uh-huh. Yeah. 
Patricia. He really is. Yeah, Patricia. Well, sure. If you were born earlier, we'd try to fix you up, you know. <laughs> Poor Oscar. I don't think he was fixable. There you off with Oscar. Hey, we're having a cold front. Uh-oh. Right. You are? Hawaii is? Yeah. Boy, last time was 66 degrees. Woo-wee! Listen, for Hawaii, that is not fun, is it? It's cold. Because the, the, the wind chill, I mean, you know, it was kind of windy. It was cold. Yes. And, and you know, we yeah. don't... Well, we don't have heaters, okay? Ooh. So you just got to get blankets and stuff. And it was cold. It was very cold last night. Ooh, yeah. no heat. Ooh. So did they, have to, did they have to run on the stores looking for blankets? <laughs> no. No? No. <laughs> and on the big island of Hawaii, the big island, huh? when it's low as 59 degrees or something. Wow. Really, that's cold for you guys. I know people make fun of us. It's 55 here right now, and that's more than enough for me. 59 in Hawaii, that's cold. That is cold, yeah. That's cold. They, see, they don't in, in Hawaii, Walden, they don't go out looking for blankets. They go out looking for hugs. I know. Well, they also look for pineapple juice. Hugs are warm. Pine- oh, that's get, true. Get a, get a hug in, Yeah. and nobody cares that it's cold. That's true. Eat up the pineapple juice. Yes, yeah, right. I, that's what always got me about Hawaii. It's the pineapple juice that fall from the sky. Yeah, right. You know, I mean, Patricia, middle of the day. You're out of control. They, they call it pineapple juice because you can walk into the rain and walk right out of it. Uh-huh. And they call it pineapple juice. Uh-huh. She doesn't believe me, Ron. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, well, she doesn't believe me. We just let her, you know. Be the way she wants to be. He has I'm set himself up being very believable tonight. <laughs> Believe it or not. Ah, that's right. <laughs> very good. So you don't know who the Green Hornet General is? Uh, let's see. General Nuisance. Oh, let's see. Uh, who was the general? Five-star general in World War II was called the Green Hornet. And MacArthur taken, so we got four to go. Yeah, MacArthur's team. Eisenhower. Okay, that's... We're down to three. three. <laughs> Eventually, we're going to run out of generals. Okay, do you know who, who rode the horse <laughs> Torinado? No, you know, that, that's an interesting question because I never heard of the horse named Torinado. Well, I didn't either. I had to go look it up. Thank you, Ray, in Chicago for that one. Um, the, the Americanized version, and you will hear this occasionally, but it's not his real name. You'll hear Tornado mentioned a couple of times, but his actual name is Torinado. That's the name of the horse. Who rode him? Well, it sure wasn't the Lone Ranger. No, it wasn't the Lone Ranger. <laughs> this is very good. Tornado, you know, that's, that's the name of a famous area here in California, so that's why it uh-huh. throws me. So, tornado. That should it should be a hint for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know the uh, you know the answer was it? No, no. But if I gave her the right answer, she wouldn't believe me anyway. No, I wouldn't. No. Yeah. I wouldn't believe that you got it. I know. And I and I don't think it's fair if you get it because this is an everybody question and I have a big one for you all by yourself. Dan, Google it up and call back. You know, reference librarian can do Google. There you go. There you go. Hey, well, you guys take your oh, um, Patricia. We, do me a favor, okay? Um, and, and there's no rush. Do it tomorrow. will be fine. Yeah, two tomorrow, Patricia. Yeah, um, <clears throat> at least have it ready by Monday. But anyway. 
I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. <laughs> could you, could you transfer the DVD of of Richard Diamond on and put it on a CD for me? I gave you Richard Diamond on a DVD. Yeah, a whole bunch of them. Yeah, one, I can do that. One, well, you asked me to reproduce. I I put some shows oh, no. DVDs and I, and then I changed them what? over to CDs. Did they come through okay? Oh, that one came out perfect. Okay. That one was the game shows and the uh, the shows that you didn't like. <laughs> the worst shows on radio. Oh, the worst ones on radio. Weren't they good? They were awful. I know. They were so bad. They're good. It's called, vi it called Volume 1, you know, in a new line from Patricia. The no. worst show, Volume 1. Volume 2 coming this fall. No joke. Oh. I keep finding these things. The folder gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Okay, so Richard Diamond on CD. I can do that. What else? That's it. That's it. That's it? Uh, that's it's too it. easy to oh, please. Come on, come on. Ask, ask, oh, for more, no, no, ask, for, ask for more stuff, like money, you know? Well, I mean, he knows that. Uh, <laughs> that's hopeless. <laughs> oh, hopeless. Anyway, hey, nice to, I, I, if, I, if I hear my name mentioned in vain or whatever. Well, if we hear your name mentioned, you can call back. <laughs> but, yeah, if you transfer it to me for a CD, I'd appreciate that. I'd be most happy to do that. Thank you so much, and, and you guys are great. You guys are always great, especially when Walden didn't have enough sleep. I know. You know. Yeah. But no, we'll fix that. We'll get him fixed. Yeah, uh, you no. know, well, I don't know if Walden wants to be fixed, but... <laughs> <laughs> you walked him well, to the yeah. office. Well, you well, set well, it up real good. I, I, we'll, get Wal we'll get him fixed. Yeah, <laughs> we, are, we are beyond repair in some areas. Now, now, really, yeah, you guys met each other in person, right? Uh huh. Twice. Yes. Twice. Twice. Once in was Florida, that? once in California. She was in California. Uh huh. Uh huh. One she, time she, in my whole life. She escaped. She escaped from Florida and came west. She oh, followed. She followed uh, Horace Greeley's uh, mandate: go west. What did you end up, well, how did you end up in California, Patricia? I went to a Spurback event. Oh. Yeah. So you went to California to see, and you got to meet Walden? I got to meet Walden, and that's how I got to see Eddie Carroll as Jack Benny. He was performing at the event. And she got to meet Frank Brzee. And, and I got to meet Frank Brzee. And she got to go to Eddie Carroll's house and interview him. Uh-huh. And all sorts of good Say stuff. Say hi to Jimmy Weldon. Yep. Next to Walden. Yep. Mel and King would have a table. The famous King sisters. And next to Walden. And 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 it was and it was Patricia and her three hundred closest friends she ever had in the whole right. world. <laughs> I keep joking about that. When Madonna got married, it was a very small wedding. She said only four hundred of her most intimate friends were there. <laughs> Two hundred. Four hundred of her intimate friends. <laughs> I'm still laughing, too. <laughs> that is funny. That is funny. Well, anyway, it's been nice talking to you. And I hear the bell singing. I got to get out of here. It's dinner time. It's dinner time for Ron. Ring that bell. You got a bell? You'll have your little noisemaker with you. Come on, Ron. There you go. See? I got it. I there you go. Yeah, we were very deprived children, weren't we, Walter? I know, I know, I see it. <laughs>
That was really funny, you know. When I get to be 80 years old, I want to be able to get up and read lines. My favorite Lone Ranger story is, you know, the, the radio show was done in a mansion in Detroit. They moved WXYZ into a mansion, a full-place mansion, so they had the speakers in the ceiling. The kitchen was where the sound effect room was, and and two of the boys, who was, one was Dan Reed, the later when he lost his voice grew up, uh, became a sound effect guy. Well, Paul Hughes, you know, the guy with the deep, gravelly voice, uh-huh, uh-huh. had a, an egg farm. He raked eggs, so he always brought eggs in to sell to the cats. Uh-huh. He kept them in the sound effect room, which was the former kitchen. Well, these were two kids in their late teens. They decided to have an egg-throwing contest. Oh, my gosh. Jim Jewell, who was known as a tyrant, director, mm, put a complete mandate that they had to clean the room until the smell disappeared. And that took them, as they said, four weeks. I bet. Four weeks after the show to keep scrubbing to get rid of the smell over at WXYZ. I need that to break it up. The person who made them do it. (laughs) Jim Jewell. You know what? I don't know if this is true or not. It might not be true. And if it's not, make sure you tell me this. <laughs> they tell me that Paul Sutton, you know, yeah. the guy that played Sergeant Press. Correct. Yeah. That he wasn't a very, he wasn't very friendly. Um, um, I don't know where I heard that story from. I, mean, I, I don't know about friendly part. I, I know he had some trouble in his life, but I don't know if being friendly or not. I don't know if that was an issue. I don't know. Oh, but he did have some trouble uh-huh. with life. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. But, but, uh... How, how did you know, how did you know that, though? I, I, well, when you have many, many people mention it, it's pretty, oh, it's pretty, pretty confirmed. He but, makes this stuff up, Ron. Yeah, that's how I'm on the radio. Nobody believes what so it is. so authoritative. Everybody believes him. <laughs> <laughs> I have something for you, Ron. Well, one, okay, before, one last question, Well, Did you meet, did you meet, ever meet an unfriendly radio actor? No. 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 I, I, I have been blessed to meet. Now, there are different degrees. They're all friendly, but some are just terrifically outgoing, you know. Right, right. Um, like, everybody falls in love with Janet Walter, for example. Oh, yeah. They fall in love with Gloria McMillan. Just the outgoing, warm, kind human beings. Right. You know, so you have those who who attract people. and But the, generally the radio the radio thing, it's, it's a warm, friendly, outgoing. That's why an old-time radio convention is different from any other convention. It's not like going to get the autograph. These guys are just hanging around, talking to you in the lobby, hearing stories, uh, sitting in the audience, watching shows. Um, having dinner with you, having lunch, it's just a lot of common uh, people who love radio, who, who just amazed that people still remember them. Yeah. You know. Um, so you found that they were very approachable. And, yep. Uh-huh. I have found that they are extremely, extremely approachable. Very good. Mm-hmm. Okay, go, go ahead, Patricia. Well, Dan Bays sent this to you. Dan is the person who called in just before you did. 
He's at one degree in Indiana, and he sent some information here. And the question is, this is from NOAA, the, the National Oceanic and the official government type thing. And the question is, does it snow in Hawaii? Only on the big island, on the mountain top, the top of Mauna Kea, um, on, on the island of Hawaii. Yeah, they have snow flurries once in a while. Can you go skiing up there then? Well, it says, snow can, and, and there, there are the um, Mauna Kea, am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah, yeah. And Mauna Loa? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And it says between October and April are the most likely times. It says although routine snow measurements are not taken, oh. the winter of 2004 to 2005, it is estimated that 35 to 55 inches of snow fell and 40 to 75 inches the next year. Now, help me with this one. Hala, hala, kala, no, haliakala, haliakala. Am I close? Haleakala. <laughs> oh, I was Oi. almost close on Maui. Haleakala, yeah. On Maui, okay. Um, it's rare there, but the last snow was in January 2006. They had one to two inches there. So, my goodness, in, the, in 2005 to 2006, you had a lot of snow there. Yeah. I have a trivia question for Ron. Oh, boy. Now I'll know. Thank you, Dan. Good job, Dan. Dan. I was going to Chuck Cecil Swinger's show this morning, uh, Ron, and he was pointing the history of the gold records. So my trivia question to you, uh, what, is the, what was the very first gold record that uh, talked about or sung about Hawaii? And what year? And what it was the first gold record? Yep, first gold record about Hawaii in the title. Oh, Blue Hawaii. No, no, before Hawaii Blue. wedding song. Before then. Hawaiian wedding song? Before no? Before that. Before that. Sweet Lilani. Alright, Ron. Good job. What year? Oh, I, I can't remember. First gold record of Sweet Lilani, Bing Crosby, 1936. Wow. Yeah, I thought that was pretty amazing. Wow. Yes, that is. That's really amazing. Well, you guys, I will let you guys banter on without me because you do a good job. But I'll... I'll I'm glad we had some fun with the Green Hornet. <laughs> we still need to know who the general oh, is. Oh, we need to know who the general yeah. is. Two down and three to go. Yeah. Can they figure it out? Three more chances. And if you can tell me why, it will be a super duper answer. Hey, by the way, let me ask Walden one last question. You know um, Major Bowl's original amateur hour? Yes. Um, now, Major Bowles was the first announcer, right? Well, he was like the host of the show. Uh -huh. Host, yeah. Now, Ted Mack. Yes. Took it over. Correct. He went on television also. Correct. Okay. Now, do they still have um, tapes floating around with Ted Mack's original, you know, doing the... Um, yeah, I have not found him. And, but I would, I would not be surprised it's available at the Library of Congress. It's interesting that the whole Major Bowes radio archive exists at the Library of Congress. And there is a provision in the library that anybody or any family member, if um, they participate in the Major Bowes, they automatically, if they request and pay for it, get a copy of that show. Oh. That's pretty nice. So I'm hoping that the Ted Mack show is available. Now, you want to know a great Ted Mack story? 
Go ahead. Pat Boone. Yeah. Pa uh, Pat Boone got his big break on the Ted Max Amateur Hour. That's right. And he was singing gospel music in, you know, in the South, yeah. in Tennessee. And he was winning all these local contests, and one of them was a local contest to go to Ted Mack. And so he went up in the sun. It was Saturday night, and went home. Well, you know, back in those days, it was a, you know, they brought back the winner. Well, he was in a small town having Sunday dinner, at, you know, after the church gospel scene contest. And a door, a door knocked on him and said, there's a, guy, there's a boy named Boone in here? He said, yeah. Well, you need to go to the nearest phone, which was 40 miles away. So he went and he called, he had a call, and he said, where you been the last three days? Why? You won the Tech Mac Amateur. You're supposed to be back in New York. So he went back and won, he went back up a, a second time. He hung around to see if he was a winner. He went back a third time, won the third round, and this time he knew he had to stay a week. So during that week, and he told me this, during that week he went over to the Arthur Godfrey show and won that and won that sh talent show. And the prize was you got to be on the Arthur Godfrey morning show for the whole week and got paid. Well, when the Ted Mack heard about that, they had to disqualify him because he, he became a professional. So he could not win the Ted Mack Amateur Hour contest. Wow. So there you go. And then probably <clears throat> the joke is whenever you get to go on the Arthur Godfrey show, um, eventually you get fired. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> he fired, yeah. fired Julius LaRosa. He fired, I mean, <laughs> so many different people, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, he, he had a reputation of firing everybody. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Oh. Yeah, but that that's an interesting because I got a record of a uh, major bowls, you know, doing their um, amateur hour. Right. But when I was about a youngster, anyway, um, I I always it was on a Sunday night in Hawaii, mm -hmm. and it was on ABC, and <clears throat> and Ted Mack was uh, the the MC, and so I I always hoped that the those um, videos, were, not videos, but mm -hmm. those um, programs would show up, but so far, never was able to find any, yeah. you know. So... Well, maybe ask Patricia. She can find anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Patricia, wake up. I'm a bloodhound. Can you find any of the Tech Mac Amateur Hour shows? Are they all television? No. They're radio, too? Okay. Yeah. If you... I don't know what happened. It was, we see it on radio, but then after all, it was on television also, right? Right. But, but um, we see, yeah, we used to listen to it on the radio. Ted okay. Mack's original amateur hour. If uh, you ever, I will see what I can come up with. If you ever find it, email, 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 let me know, okay, where you found it. Okay. Well, if I find them, I'll just send them to you. I'll just email. Well, whatever. But, no, I'd rather you do the, the Richard Diamond thing. Well, I'll do that, too. But I'll, I'll see if I can find any Ted Mac out there. You're too nice. Well, anyway, we'll talk to you guys later. All right, Mon. Um, take care. And aloha.
Aloha, oh. Ron. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. 714-545-2071. our number. I have a tidbit for Walden. Walden, wait. I have to go back and... Oh, but Major Bose was the highest paid radio person in that time era. Right. You're on with Patricia. Hello there. Hi, folks. It's Ralph. Hello, Ralph. Ralph, how you doing? I'm good old Uncle John. How are you? Uh, I, I, I can almost remember his theme song. <laughs> you can hear you in the background there. You got your radio turned on? Oh, I'm off? sorry. Uh, yeah, that's okay. You should know better by now. <laughs> oh, honestly, you know, we did. I, I thought we brought you up better than that. Yes. I cannot find Uncle John anywhere. No, well, after he got blackballed, but uh, I think they might. <laughs> you know, I've gone back and I've checked in a couple of places, and every place I've looked has said that it was not true, that he did not say that on the air, that it started out as a, not a joke, but a, a misprint or a misstatement that just took on a life of its own. Well. Did you hear it? Yes. <laughs> Just a little kid, and I ran the kitchen and says, Mommy, what's a little so-and-so? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, well, I'm going to send you all of these websites, and you can write to them and tell them you are you are an ear witness. Yes. Absolutely. Did you get any snow this week? Oh, you know, I was looking today. Uh, we have a, we live in what they call the Trinity Alps. Uh-huh. We have mountains all around us. Right. One is almost 11,000 feet tall. Ooh, that's wow. a biggie. And there's so much snow up there, and I don't have a, I don't have a flake down here. <sighs> Are you feeling deprived? No. <laughs> Very grateful. <laughs> you had to stop and think about that for a second. Now, what happens in the springtime when all of that stuff melts? Does it ever slide? Did you ever have an avalanche up there? N not, uh, not up on the big mountain. It, it, it drains into a big lake which is a uh, flood control lake, but it's also a recreational lake in the summertime. Uh-huh. And uh, last year, it was a, it was the lowest year I can remember. It was down 100 feet. Wow. And uh, right now, it's uh, hovering around 45 or 50 feet from the crest. Well, if you've got that much snow up there, they're going to make up for lost time. Oh, yeah, and we've had a good rain season. Shoo-wee. We're, we're grateful for that. So did you bring us cannolis tonight? No, I don't have any. Uh, Looking for some. Uh, you know, uh, there's a place in Staten Island <laughs> that will ship them to you. Really? Yeah, and it, like two packages. One has the cannoli uh, shell, uh -huh. and the other one has the filling. No kidding? And they'll send them anywhere in the United States. Are they very pricey? Yeah, I, I, I didn't stay with it long enough to get the price, but... Uh, I, I, I have to go back in and look at it. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah. We'll have to talk to Lucy about that. Uh, what's going on with the bell thing? The bell thing? What that's bell thing? Ringing a bell? Oh, that's, that's not me. That's Walden and Ron. Oh, well, I have a Wait. bell. Oh, you have a bell. Nice for Christmas. You got a toy, too? Would you like to hear my bell? Yes. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh, yours it is so delicate. <laughs> Uh, my, daughter gave, my daughter gave it to me. I don't know why. <laughs> well, it's 
functional, and, and we thank you very much. She knew that you were going to contribute to feelings. <laughs> she said it was so Tony and I could find each other. But... <laughs> That's cute. Now, we've got the dingalings going here tonight, so. Yes. Oh, there he goes again. You, I thought that was on Ron's. Well, I don't think so. I think... I'm telling you, these guys and their toys. I, you know, he got one for Christmas so and I got one for Christmas. You know. It's so delicate. It's so sweet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love bells. <laughs> do you really? Yeah, I really do. And there's a, uh, there's a group of ladies in a nearby town here that, uh, uh, in holiday season, they have a bell ringing event. Mm. And it's, it's really nice to listen to them. Oh, yeah. They actually, you know, have all different tones. Uh-huh. They can play music. Yep, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yep. Exactly. Do you know who, which general in World War II, five-star general, was nicknamed the Green Hornet? Mm. You know everything, Ralph. You are so good. I don't know everything, that's for certain. Well, I don't think it was an Eisenhower. I don't think it was MacArthur. Green Hornet. Yep. You're down to three. Is there a U.S. general? Three to go. Uh, yep. Yeah. One, one of three now. Clark. Pardon? It was one named Mark Clark. Mark Clark. No, it was not General Clark. Mm. It must have been. If it wasn't any of those three, then it must be someone else. <laughs> <laughs> fine you must be from New York. <laughs> That's very good. No. <laughs> We, um, We're running out of generals here. Uh, gee, I don't know. I, I know more about I, I know about some admirals, but I don't know about. Oh, that's right. You were Navy. Forgive generals. Yeah, but I, I wasn't. We're in, in enemy territory here. Too, I'm too young to have been there. <laughs> World War Two. Yeah, but you you know everything. I mean, you were too young to listen to these radio shows. I'm sending you too. Yes. Well, I, I really don't know who they okay. called the Green Well, we'll horse. cross that one off the list then for you. Do you know who rode the horse Toronado? No, I'm not sure, but I want to say it was uh, Zorro. It was Zorro, yes. Aren't you good? What oh, made you think of Zorro? It's the only cowboy we haven't talked about. Well, uh, last, last time I talked to you, you had the name of some horse that Cisco Kid used to ride. Uh huh. That was Diablo. Yeah, Diablo, and it wasn't. And I said it was uh, Zorro. Uh huh. I was wrong. Ah. Uh. He's the only other one I know that had any kind of a, that kind of a background to the story. You are so right. That is marvelous deductive reasoning, and you got it. It was uh, Zorro's horse. It was Toronado. Yeah. No. You done good. Well, his little sidekick, the fellow who was uh... Pancho? Yeah. No, no. No, no, no. Um, I'm sorry. I was thinking Cisco Kid. No, his his little ooh ooh. It's in it's in my brain. All right now. <laughs> I'm struggling. <laughs> oh, he was a mute. Yeah, he was. He was supposed to be, but I think. I, I think he could talk, but I think he only talked to. Uh, Oh, it wasn't... Oh, I'm not sure. Yeah, it wasn't a simple name like Pablo or... Um, it was something a little bit 
less I'm, usual. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on it. I remember the guy. But okay. You remember him? No, I'm drawing a blank on it. What he look like? He was um, sort of rotund looking, not, not real, not real heavy, heavy. So like a poncho for the Cisco kid. Yeah, he was, he was, uh, I guess he was supposed to be a stable boy or his butler or something like that. All right, so now I have to go to Google. Oh, maybe somebody will call in and tell us, though. Yeah. I'll go to Google and find the right answer, but then I'm not going to tell anybody because maybe somebody will call in with it. Sure. Oh, I, I've been I've been looking all over the place. I want to try and get some mistletoe and send to you. <gasps> oh, yeah. You know, it's all up so high. I know. I mean, it's in the next state, for heaven's sakes, that stuff grows so high. I saw some pictures of this, and I thought, you know, no wonder this stuff is so expensive. You get a little sprig for $1,000, you know? And I thought, yeah, you've got to risk your life to get it. Yeah, we had we had some in one tree here, uh, which I had trimmed. And the guy that trimmed the tree, he took almost all the mistletoe. <laughs> <laughs> he knew what to do with it. I ended up with the dregs. <laughs> Oh, oh, okay. Well, I've got his sidekick's name here. Uh, I'll email it to you so you will know. Bernardo. You got it. Yeah, it was in there, but it just, it just, I have a Rolodex up there. This is unreal. Yes. Bernardo. Oh, brother, you are too good. You are too, I can't believe you got that. I can't either. (laughs) But, but you did. Yeah, it just... Ring your bell. Ring your bell for you, please. Hold on. No, I... Oh, that wasn't very delicate, but boy, did you earn it. There you go. Oh, it's one of those bells that you'd see on a hotel desk. Oh, really? With a little oh. plunger on top. It's a it's a puncher, you know, like a little plunger on top? Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Mine is brass, and it's all... Um, Whoa. Uh, it has an engraved look to it, but I'm sure it's just casting. Wow. Yeah, anyhow. So does Tony come when you ring it? She better. <laughs> Is Tony listening? My mother says she'll be looking for a new boarding house. Woo, <laughs> I don't think she's listening, no. Are you lucky or what? Watching the oh. evil television. <laughs> All right, now look, I've got this problem, Ralph, that you have to help me with. I'll try. Well, I couldn't find Uncle Don. So what are you going to send me on this week? I don't know. Oh, now, see, you knew I was going to ask. To, I want to tell you something. Okay. We're talking. You were talking about the Lone Ranger and Tonto. Uh huh. Well, in the TV series, you know, Jay Silverheels right. played Tonto. Huh. And he had a, a a yacht called the Lone Ranger, which he kept in Flushing Marina in New York. Oh my goodness. I I, uh, I got to go on there and have some uh, demi tasse and some vichyssoises. With him? No, with the guy who, I guess you would call him the captain. He was the guy that ran the boat. How big was it? My goodness. Big. You know, I, I can't say. It was probably 110 feet long. It was a big boat. He was serious. It's one of the things where you go down, there's a master bedroom down there. You know, it's a, a real fancy boat. Uh-huh. Yeah. Tony and I actually went, went on there together. How neat. Oh, what a great we experience. Did you write that down in your diary? No. <laughs> Keeping one, you were going to start writing notes uh, yourself. had a small boat, which we kept there. But you were going to start writing writing notes to yourself about all of this stuff. Mm. 
Yeah, I told you about my writing. And, but all you have to do is put down, like, um, Yacht Tonto, and, and you'll remember it. Just key words. Yeah, oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I thought that was interesting, but that, that wasn't... Indeed. Yeah, that wasn't the radio guy. No, but still, I mean, my goodness. Can you, I can't... Oh, my goodness. Wouldn't that be fun, Walden? Uh-huh. Getting on Tonto's boat? It would be very nice. Get him up, boat? <laughs> Get him up. <laughs> Yeah, but he didn't name it Scout. He named it the Lone Ranger. <laughs> Get him up, Lone Ranger. Boat. Okay. Boat. Okay. Had a big aircraft engine in it. <gasps> if you... Um, I told Patricia a guy would borrow for a serious motorboat racer. Yeah, he was. Yeah. You know... Knitting. The, uh, the Chris Craft, which is like an old mahogany boat. Mm -hmm. Right. My this uncle had one of them. He used to race. Just ten times bigger. Oh, wow. Right in that. After we bought our tickets, they took us across there, the inlet, and uh, deposited us at the theater. Well, isn't that cool? Yeah, it was cool. And I, I'm, a, I'm a boat person anyhow. Tony and I both love boats. Well, now, if you were kicking a boat out in New York, where would you go? See, out here, the movie star colonies, or where they anchored a boat here in Newport Beach, they always went to Catalina, you know, which is yeah, 26, sure. 26 miles away. Yes. Where, do we, where would you go in New York? Well, uh, I, I first started out going out of Flushing Bay, mm -hmm. and uh, I, I used to go about, oh, 20 miles uh, east to a place called Bayville, where the fishing was always very good. And uh, I never took my boat, but used to go uh, to Port Jefferson to fish a lot, which is another, maybe another 60 miles. Uh, and then uh, we started to trailer our boat, and most of the time uh, uh, we would either go to the, the Great South Bay or, or we would just go to uh, the Mount Sinai Inlet, which is uh, Port Jefferson area. Mm. And we were blue fishermen. Blue fish. Blue fish. Those are fighters. They're fighters. They're, they'll bite you. Really? Oh yeah, they got teeth in them like a hacksaw blades. They're, ooh, they're not going to bite me because I'm not going to catch them. You catch them, you know. You have to have a steel uh, leader on your line. Yeah. Because they'll bite through any any monofilament or any kind of line you have. Oh wow. And uh, Tony's first uh, cast. The first time she ever went fishing, uh -huh. he caught a 14-pound bluefish. That's a good-sized fish. Yeah. Well, they run up to about 20 is about the biggest one I've ever seen. 14 is just fine. That's a lot of fish to pull in. Oh, yeah. And she worked at it. She was at it for quite a while. Oof. When she got him close to the boat, she says, take this. I can't pull him in. I said, oh, if you can't pull him in, it, you got to throw the fishing pole over the side. <laughs> You're so cool. <laughs> and she says, I'm not going to go. You know, then it was a $25 fishing pole. Yeah. That was a lot of money. Then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of money now. Then, <clears throat> and then when we got him in the boat, first thing you do is knock him in the head so that he won't bite you. And then she, I guess you've heard of a happy dance. She did her happy dance. <laughs> she was all over that boat. She had happy feet. <laughs> Dumped it all in the, up and down. 
I had to, I had to take her home and uh, put liniment on her back because she was all stiff, and I put hot towels on her. How long did it take to pull it in? Oh, she was at it a good 12, 15 minutes. Mm, you get good and sore for that. Yeah, and uh, the next morning when I, I got up to go fishing, she opened one eye. She said, where, where are you going? I said, I'm going fishing. She said, oh, you wait for me. <laughs> and ever since then, she's, she's never missed a chance to wow. go fishing. Togetherness. Well, that that is that is what we have had over the years, really. It sure sounds like it. You don't see one without the other. People say, where's your wife? Mm -hmm. <laughs> How come she's not with you? That's cute. I, yeah, I like it. it. It's neat. Yeah. We enjoy each other's company. And we... Clear that you do. Oh, absolutely. You don't hide it well. No, I don't want to hide it. <laughs> she doesn't hide it well either. Uh, we, what was I figuring? Uh, not how many years we were married, but how many nights we were married. Ooh, how many nights have you been married? Seems to me it's up around 18,000. Well, tell me how many years. Oh, 54, 55 this coming June. Okay, so we'll give you 55. We'll give you 55. Yeah. And it comes out to 20,075 yeah. hours. Isn't that amazing? Yes, it is. No, it's, no, it's not hours. Those are nights. I, I should think, yeah, nights, yeah. Yeah, not hours, nights. Well, uh... I like to think of it in those terms because, you know, 54 years is a long time, but it doesn't sound that, that great, you know. But yes, it does. 18 to 20,000. <laughs> then you're up there. 20,000 nights. <laughs> this is, wasn't there a movie or, or a story about 1,001 nights? Oh, yeah. 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 Well, you got them beat. Yeah. A lot of times. <laughs> Well, 480,000 hours. It's almost a half million hours. That's a long time. That's not bad. Half <laughs> a million hours. Give me a dollar an hour. There you go. My goodness. Yeah, well, this is good. You, you could have a party on $20,000. <laughs> Absolutely. <clears throat> this would be good. Well... Am I supposed to send you something? I'm supposed to send you something. Oh, yeah, it's all right. I, I don't need nothing. What do you do for your 50th wedding anniversary? Uh, the, the last one, uh -huh. uh, we just went out to dinner. Uh-huh. Nice. Uh, we got a pretty decent little steakhouse mm -hmm. here, and uh, we went over there. there we, we don't go out much, you oh. know, uh, as far as holidays, like, like New Year's. Right. Mm -hmm. we, we don't never go out for New Year's. That's a, that's what we call the amateur night. <laughs> All the little kids are out there. They don't know about 20,000 nights. Oh, imagine. Oh, my gosh. That is good stuff. Okay, well, your responsibility then this week is to talk with Tony and find out what she would like. I'll do that. Okay, that would be fun. All right, well, I'm going to let you guys go. There's only one more thing I wanted to... Uh, Bring up. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I just have to order the court. Yes. <laughs> yes, you've got the bell. Okay. I'm, I'm, I got the bell and I'm ready. Oh, okay, oh. go ahead. Ready? Ready. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> this is very good. Did anyone report to the desk? 
I see three bellhops running, running up. <laughs> you are too much. Is that what you wanted to say? That's all. Was that, was that the I bring my bell for you. One all more. right. Oh, okay. Oh, I'll say, I'll say a fond good evening to you folks. Okay, okay Ralph, thank I you so much. I listened to you last week until Talk you yourself. went off the air. You Bye. did. You stayed up all, you stayed up that way? I kept waking up and well, I, I, I heard you signing off. Whatever that was, probably 6 in the morning or who knows what. Clock, uh, Florida time. Yeah, that's true. Pretty late. Yeah, well, you guys have fun, you know. I know. Yeah, we do. Yeah. No sense cutting Rat. it short. No, heck no. He is such a little brat. <laughs> Who, me? Yeah, you. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, uh, I'm going to leave you. you got, now right. you behave yourself. All right. Well, we won't break anything anyway. Okay, Uncle Ralph. We'll wash out. We'll wash our P's and Q's. Okay. Good night. Good night. Ralph, bye-bye. There he goes. There's Ralph. 714. 545-2071. The family's awake. The family is awake. Hello there. You are on with Patricia. Remember, Ralph, the bread and eggs on top. Oh, you're feeling better? I'm much better, thank you. Oh, I'm glad. You sound a lot better, Nolan. Wow. Boy, you were one sick puppy last week. <laughs> I, I was down pretty good with that one. What do you think you had, the flu? No, just a really bad cold. And then mm. something's been going around this part of the state, I, and I don't know. I haven't had a cold in three years, I don't, uh, if I'm counting correctly, at least that long. That one got me. Yep. It must have been the one that Patricia had, and she just spread it throughout the state. Yeah, and then I didn't even go out. I was such a good person. I wound up getting it because somebody else went out. I mean, I was in the store. I heard this woman coughing. I said, I'm toast. I am. <laughs> and I was. Boy, I was down. But I don't think like you were. You won the prize. So it's good to hear that you're um, healthy again. Yes. Uh, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Hold your <laughs> glad to be anywhere. I told you a story about the sleeping bags. Oh, I heard you defaming me all across the world. <laughs> you did it first, so I thought it was okay to repeat it. I wasn't uh, sure. When did the children finally catch on to you? No one. Good question. Oh, uh, very, very quickly. Oh, uh, gee. They learned to distrust most anything I said after that one. <laughs> Chris last week said she was 15 before she caught on. <laughs> But they, they would, um, they, their teen years would say, you know what Dad told us? And they, they, they love to tell the story as much as I did. Oh, I think that is just so super. And what a great way to get kids up and moving. Yeah, it, it worked. And uh, one was afraid the other one would see it, you know, and, and they would oversleep. And they'd have the bragging rights to have seen the cows. And oh. So it worked in a couple of different directions. I came, came across a newspaper article this week that made me think of you. There was a hijacker from the 1960s who was recently convicted for the hijack to Cuba, and I thought of you and Sally. You know, that was the, that was the, that was the airline. Uh, the hijacking you're talking about wasn't the exact yeah. one because I read that same article. It was the one? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Would you tell that story? I know we've got people who haven't heard it. Well, uh, briefly, um, we were married in 1968. And I was a DJ, and Sally was a flight attendant. And the third week after our marriage, she was on a flight with uh, the crew of a hijacked plane to Cuba. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, in those days, or in at least the first one or second one, whichever that was, 
they let the people uh, off the airplane and uh, they could get uh, a sandwich or something. And they got back on the plane and flew it home. The big problem was that the, the fuel was uh, a factor. They were very low because they'd come in from San Francisco. And the extra 90 miles down to Cuba and just drain the engine's tanks. <laughs> Pardon me, I'm getting the cold back. And, and the, um, let me see, put some water here before I choke, just a second. We, we promise not to choke. This is Yesterday USA. We're taking a station break for no one kind of. You can do that on the radio. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and uh, so the uh, pilot, or captain, even tried to use his credit card to get the fuel. He ended up having to wire the, the uh, money through New Mexico, uh, or through Mexico. And uh, they, they hit siesta time at that point. So that delayed another hour and a half, but they did get the fuel and came home the same day. And everything was fine. But this apparently this guy was being forced to return to Cuba for a crime he had committed. And they were, uh, I think two men had him hostage, and then the, uh, maybe a third held the captain of the airplane and the stewardess hostage and they flew flew down there and again I'm telling it backwards but they did come home safely yeah well I thought it was a, it, it was intriguing to me that after how many years they are convicting a hijacker from a 1968 hijacking and you were the one I thought of because of your story and now it turns out that it was the it was the hijacker it was the dates. How many how many hijackers were there on that plane? Uh, I, three or four. I, I can't remember. See, there was uh, the victim, of course, and then three guards or kidnappers or whatever they might be. Yeah. Wow. Boy, is that spooky. Well, anyway, I'm glad everybody's home safe. Oh yeah, thank thank you. And Chrissy's having a lot of fun. I taped their conversation with you, and she's played it for everybody. She really had a good time last week. Oh, well, that, that was so nice. I'm real, we were really sad that you were feeling so poorly. Well, thank you. I, I've, uh, I'm fine now. I've come armed with some uh, questions about the Green Hornet. Oh, cool. Do you have the answer to my question about the Green Hornet? Uh, tornado. Roy Rogers, among others, 
played the Green Hornet. Can you tell me his name? I'm Pat Buttram? No, that's a good, that's a hero, though. Good zero, okay. But he was, he was, a com he was a comic sidekick. He, and, and as a matter of fact, if you were to look him up in after or Afro, he would be listed as a comic actor. But he played the lead in the Green Hornet once. Not once, but I mean the whole, it was a serial. I'll give you that clue. Yeah. Walden? Not Smiley Barnett. No, no. Incidentally, who, who named their horse? To, uh, they said that that was Smiley Burnett's horse earlier. Oh, it was, but, I can't recall but, who said that. Uh, Wait a minute. Um, was it? It might have been Dan Bays. Well, it's, it's funny because it's so totally different. His, his horse was named Ring Eye, and he had a uh, he had to be in hair and makeup at every because they painted a ring around his left eye. That's right. And they called him Ring Eye. That's right. I remember you telling me that one night, and I didn't remember the name of the horse. Shame on me. I wasn't paying attention in class. So Tornado was great. It was uh, um, the horse for Smiley. That's okay. what it was. I, okay. Got it. I was thinking that's far from what the horse I used to watch. He was no Tornado. He was way back and white and big eye. <laughs> oh, he was no Tornado. Yeah. Everybody give up on that one, or we want to leave it for the audience. Well, I can't tell you the answer without telling them, can I? <laughs> well, tell, tell us, because nobody's listening. That's, uh, his name is Gordon Jones. Gordon Jones, okay. He played the Green Hornet. Yeah. What is a Gordon Jones? What about him? I don't know Gordon Jones. What is a Gordon Jones? Well, he's a comic actor and appeared in a lot of movies in the 30s and 40s. But why they chose him to be the Green Hornet, I will never know. Like some people aren't thrilled with the casting of the the one that's coming out this week. Uh huh. Wow. I, I don't know him. I don't know anything about him. But was he the Green Hornet in the movie from the 1940s? Yes, it was, there were two serials uh, in I think late 30s and early 40s. Right. Return of the Green Hornet, and that's my next question: Who played the Green Hornet in that uh, release? Well, serial. I think um. I should know because uh, that's uh, uh, I, Well, I think, I, I think, this, I'm trying to remember, I think Al Hodge, uh, he was telling a story, he went out, and I think he wound up doing the voice for the Green Hornet. I think, I think in that second serial, they weren't too happy with the actor's voice, and I'm trying, I'm trying to remember the story. And, and Al Hodge, who was the Green Hornet radio, had to go out for some reason uh, to, and to do some dubbing, and I, I, I don't remember the actor's voice, so I don't know. I would be surprised because it was Warren Ho. Oh, okay, okay. Very good uh, game show host. Yes. TV guy. Yeah. But I mean, it could have been some. Yeah, true. Other circumstances. Sure. And loop it or whatever. Right. But, wow. But uh, that movie, the second movie. Yes. It's a direct tie-in to the general who was known as the Green Hornet. Oh, really? I mean, there's no hint in that at all. It's just fun that it's associated. Don't know. Well, I shouldn't say. Well, I'll leave it at that. Okay. Uh, who appeared in, in the Green Hornet serial that played in the Sergeant Preston series on radio, and the uh, had a, a small part in one episode of the Green Hornet serial? 
return of the Green Hornet. Mm. Well, there, there was um, an episode in Sergeant Preston of the Yukon, or Challenge of the Yukon, that had John Todd in it. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, it is. Uh, uh, you're asking. I'm playing, I'm playing a Walden here. That's not what you're asking. <laughs> Give you all sorts of other information <laughs> to kind of bluff you through. Uh, well, it hit Paul Sutton. Oh, that's close. Uh, I mean, he didn't earn a zero. I know. I know. So, Jay Michaels? Yes. Jay Michaels, okay. Well, okay. And uh, I have that cereal. As a matter of fact, that's probably one of the best preserved of all the cereals I've ever seen. The quality is just pristine. Mm. It's uh, really good because many of them aren't. Right. You right. know, last time, last time, <clears throat> and I don't think my throat's going to make it anyway. A circus performer you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Yeah, Gail Gordon. They were asking if Gail Gordon was a circus performer. Who was the circus performer that appeared in the Lone Ranger series? Oh, uh, Jay, radio? Uh, Jay Silverhill. No, very close. Uh, television or oh, radio? Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, Clayton Moore. That's it. Yeah, quite more with a circus perform. That's why I forgot about that. Tra trapeze guy. Or what, what famous movie star also was a trapeze artist? Um. Or walk on sticks, I think. No, not sticks. Uh, on 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 the ropes. A tightrope walk. Yeah. Don't know. I think it was Tony Curtis. Yeah. Uh, but I think my understanding, Burt Lancaster did that in his early days. Oh. I didn't know that. Yeah. I remember hearing that now. All right, in Gunsmoke. Oh, gee. What cast member in the radio Gunsmoke was a lion tamer? <laughs> oh, oh, Parley Bear. Very good, Patricia. I didn't know that. Yeah, Parley Bear was a lion tamer. Wow. Bear, lion, how could you go wrong? <laughs> and a great story about that. He took William Conrad uh, to the circus. And they were having trouble with the lions. He told William Conrad, you just stay here. I'm going to go down and help out. And William Conrad always thought the lion was going to need a radio actor. He didn't oh, have, my goodness. He had no idea probably had that back, that back kind of background. He just thought he was a crazy person. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What a scary thing. He thought he was mayor of Mayberry. That's right. <laughs> well, that's funny. Nolan, I watched the DVD with Fred Foy that you sent to me. It's it's been a while, but the two award presentations, right? And they were just great. The oh. the photography on the first one would be enough to um, give me a make my make my hair hurt. <laughs> 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 it was you know somebody was doing it probably from a cell phone or you know some some piece of handheld equipment, so it, it was not steady at all. But the content was wonderful, and then the one where you made the presentation was just fabulous and he had such a great story and what a personable guy he was. I really appreciate your having sent that. That was the first I was able to sit down and, and you know, just sit and enjoy it. Well, first of all, the, the, my, my son was the cameraman, so he will appreciate hearing what you said. No, on, on the one that you gave the presentation was okay. The first one, the really short one, Right. No, the the other one, the one that I was on was my son photographing it. Yeah, and that was fine. That one was fine. Well, I, I was saying he would be he would appreciate your remarks because he said to stand for almost an hour with holding a, a, a huge camera on his shoulder. Got it. Okay, I'm sorry. I thought you were, you know, 
I'm trying to be not a whoosh. And I thought you were being sarcastic, that he would appreciate knowing that I... See, sarcastic? Well, how in the world would you think I would be sarcastic? <laughs> I just... Oh, Polly lives. Actually, Rebecca of Sunnybrook Farm there. <laughs> That's good. That's as good as Polly, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, the, the end result is that uh, Warren did take those pictures and took that video, and he had to stand there for a long time. Yeah, I, I could tell. Thought it was um, shaky. He, he thought it, he, his was shaky, but I think it was it was fine. Yeah, no, it it, it was fine. Didn't miss anything, and uh, you know, Fred was just on top of his game that night. What a wonderful thing to watch. I was on the top of the world. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you because the, the day that that was done. I see the very next day we did the the recreation. You heard. Right. Uh huh. And. Uh, I'll tell you another quick sidelight. When when I knew that he was coming, he was going to do that open for us. I got the uh, got a serial. I mean, an episode of the Lone Ranger and listened to the open. Counted every hoofbeat and every gunshot in there. Got me uh, my own copy of the William Tell Overture and put all the sounds back in that. Mixed them together. Yeah. And um, so that was, obviously Fred was not uh, he could read it with that, and it would be very realistic, hopefully. And we met in the hotel suite that the Kentucky broadcasters had, and several people there to meet him. And they, they kind of drifted out of the room, and Fred said, um, I had played the tape for him earlier. He said, would you play that again, please? I said, sure, and I played it. And he, he <laughs> did the open with that tape, and I'm sitting on the same couch with him. Wow. Talk about chill bumps. Wow. I got and, just watching the video. I can imagine what it must have been sitting there with him. Oh, yeah. It was just, and he did the high silver at the end of the opening. Yeah, he, he only did that on the road, though. He, he wouldn't do that in the studio. He did not do that in the studio. Okay. Right, Brace Beamer would have done that. But he, I mean, he sounded, he sounded just like Brace Beamer. <laughs> it would have been, I would have been hard-pressed to tell the difference. Well, yeah, me too. And uh, But we all heard that when he played the part of the Lone Ranger in that one episode. It kind of worried Brace, I hear. Yeah, that's what he said. That's what Fred Foy said in the uh, in the talk that he gave to you guys. He only got to do it once because he think <laughs> he said Brace was concerned. He said, "Never again will I be sick or have laryngitis." Yeah. After that, but Brace Beamer was concerned. He was so good that uh, Brace made sure he never had laryngitis again. That was so cute. Did you hear the question at the end of the show there, where the the man asked if Brace was his real name? And uh, Brad said, yes, it was. And, and then I read further that Brace was his mother's maiden name. And Nolan was my mother's maiden name. Oh, for goodness sakes. So, but that's done, I guess, frequently. Yeah. Brace is really his name. It sounds, sounds so perfect. It sounds made up, doesn't it? Yeah, I know. I know. It, it's Once in a while, you bump into something that is so perfect. Now, we had Johnny Western on as a guest. I heard that show, yeah. And he sang, of course, the opening or the theme song for Have Gun Will Travel, among a thousand other things. He had an extra syllable at the end of Western. Western, do you recall what it was, Walden? I do not. It was like Western Lee, mm -hmm. something like that. And a radio announcer just chopped off the last syllable, and that's how he got to be Johnny Western. It just stayed with him but for all intents and purposes he was born with the perfect perfect name as well right how can 
you sing? You sing Johnny Uman, you sing Half Gun Will Travel, you sing all of these fabulous songs, and your name is Johnny Western. You know, it just sounds... It just sounds too perfect. It's like somebody sat in a studio and painted it for um, Phil Spector, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> Phil Spector name for sure. But anyhow, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Brace Beamer just sounded like such a Lone Ranger name, you know? I had a friend that wrote the, uh, the book called, Broad, uh, let's see, Brass Button Broadcasters, mm-hmm. and we served together over Germany. He, his name was Trent Christman. Doesn't that sound like a... Yeah. That's a good one. I think Nolan Kenner is a very broadcast name. What do you think, Walden? Uh-huh. I think he should go to radio. He got the right handle for it. Well, that, that's a, a thought. Got the right... So, when we first went to uh, our assignment in, in uh, Kentucky, the... Uh, about the third or fourth weekend, a morning man on one of the stations was sick, and I filled in for him. Sally was at the market at the grocery store the next day, and one of the ladies came up and said, I heard your husband on the radio the other day. He really ought to take that up. As a, as a... <laughs> well, it's good that you get that kind of feedback. Well, it was. Oh, it, well, it would have been if she had said, boy, you better tell him, get, don't quit his day job. Yeah, yeah. The nicest thing, I, or opposite thing, <laughs> I did some television in Orlando for several years doing a commercial for a dealership. And um, this lady in, in, in Deland ran a camera shop, and I went by to get some film. And she said, by the way, you, you really do look a lot better on TV than you do in person. Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> jeez. That is not fun. Yep, likes and makeup, they can do all kinds of things. Oh, gee, oh, what a miserable thing to have said. Well, one other quick one. I, I'm taking up too much time, but I'll save these oh. for next time. But one other quick one. I had this, uh, I went through the drive-in, taking the, the dry cleaning back, and the guy in there recognized me and said, uh, how do you get those? So I saw you the other night. It was on Johnny Carson, and, the, and uh, you were doing the commercial for the motor company. And I, and I said, uh, well, there's a, a fellow in Daytona that has an agency, and if you get with him, he can help you get your business on the air. So he was thrilled to death, and he called, and he scraped up. I know he, this place was too small to be behind television, but he managed to do it. And again, maybe late night. And um, so he, a few days later, he came in, and he said, you know, my mother in New Jersey couldn't get that commercial. Didn't see my commercial. He thought that the commercials inserted into The Tonight Show were heard nationwide. Oh, my God. And he bought that commercial and notified his mother that he was going to be on that night. Oh, my. Oh, my. That's sad, isn't it? Yeah. I'm kind of sorry for him. I, th- I thought he understood that it was local. Yeah. Well, I guess you just give him a copy of it and he can mail it to his mom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought he was going to tell you, that he needed a copy of it to send to his mom because she wasn't able to see it, meaning she wasn't down here visiting with him. He was a little bit further off than Polly, huh? Well, I think it was also prior to videotape, now that I think about it. Um, okay. It was, you could carve it on a rock and send it up there when I was in television. <laughs> <laughs> he was further off base than Rebecca. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> she was. Okay, you're going to entertain us with some bloopers and stuff next time you call? Yeah, I'll have to do that. I'm, I'm uh, 
that's what's closing in on getting my stuff all hooked up so it's oh. possible again. I've been playing it off of a machine sitting on the floor by the telephone, um, patching it through that way, but uh, it'll be more convenient. I can sort out what I have because I've got a lot more. I just as a matter of organization. I need yeah. Walden to come down and do my, be my uh, archivist. There you go. <laughs> I'm doing it for Frank Brazil, you might do it for Nolan Kennedy if they all pay hey. the same price. Well, you can, I'll buy you lunch, you'll be finished. Hey, there you go. There you go. You can come and supervise for a lunch. That's true. I, I, right. Nobody, I don't hear anybody taking me up on that. You're welcome to come for a free meal, you bet. Sure. Yeah. Someone paying for it? The man is his experience. McDonald's. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm cool with McDonald's. No, no, no. She wants bunny food, no one. So we have to find a, uh, we gotta find a bunny food place for her. Yeah, bunny food. Mm-hmm. Well, Rebecca's gonna help me write my first book. <laughs> yeah, sure, she'll That's do that. Right. That's right. <laughs> okay, guys. All right, no one. Talk to you soon. You bet. You take care. I'm glad you're feeling better. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Bye bye. Give the number, Patricia. 714-545-2071. And we are still looking for the name of the five-star general in World War II who was nicknamed the Green Hornet. It's not Eisenhower, it's not MacArthur. So two down and three to go. And there was the... I can't, I can't remember there was another one. But anyway, it's not Eisenhower. It's not... Who was the other one? MacArthur? MacArthur, uh-huh. MacArthur. So we've got three to go. Right now, Mark Clark was, I think, Admiral. She's been in, in the Admiral. She's a general. These would be Army generals. These are Army, mm-hmm. right? It's got a great story that goes with it. I know. I know. Well, it is such a good story. Now, this is really a telling situation here because I talked about this one night on the air. Well, everybody must have been celebrating that night when they won their free CDs and forgot. Maybe that was it. Yeah. Was that a question I asked you? Yeah, probably. Probably. I guess nobody was listening to me. I don't know. Nobody yeah. was listening to either one of us. Yeah, yeah. We have just overwhelmed them with so much information that it's very hard. It hasn't been filed properly That's yet. That's true. Well, the family's been busy tonight. We're very actively taking calls, and we are looking for more. 714 545 2071. Give us a call. You know. I have. I have. Company, good. I have. Hospitality, great. I have. The water, the water, fine. I have. Walton's question. Well, I, you know, we know Walton we'll knows the answer, so it's no sense in asking the question. Hello there, you're on the air with Patricia. Say by the bell. Who is it? Well? Was it, yeah. <laughs> there you go, Ralph. General Patton. Oh. oh, you got it! You got it! I had it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got it. I, I, I didn't hear the answer. Uh, she, she, Patricia doesn't believe me. You have to give the answer again. I, I didn't hear it. I know. Oh, George Patton. It was George Patton. Do That's you know right. why? Well, I know he's a rough and tumble guy, but I really don't, George really Patton don't know was, why. George Patton was nicknamed the Green Hornet, and it was by... The men under his command who came up with it because he designed uniforms for his battalion. Uh. And for his, 
Well, then what do you call the people who climb in the tanks? Uh, well, I, I'm assuming squadron, but I don't know. I, maybe. No, it's his battalion troops. So it oh, uh, well. Specifically for the tank men. The, 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 I, the iron horses, yeah. The cavalry. The cavalry. Didn't they, call, didn't they call them the Iron Cavalry? I don't know. Official. I, I, I don't think that was official. I'll find out the official name. But um, he designed a uniform that, because the, the, the fitting was so tight to get into the tanks themselves, he designed a uniform that was a brighter green than Army green. Ah. And it had... Um, closures and buttons and, and hooks for their equipment, and they, he did it in strategic places so that it wouldn't get hung up or interfere with their ability to get in and out of the tank. And apparently he did a very good job of it, except he also designed his own uniform. Uh. And it was striped with brass buttons so that he looked like a bellhop. Oh, my green suit and unfortunately at the same time this and again from what I have read and I, I dug out reports and I found some eyewitness accounts on this um, it was a brighter green than what the rest of the army so it, it distinguished his group from the, the rest of the general army uh -huh. but unfortunately the movie The Green Hornet was coming out in the theaters at the same time his uniform was being introduced. And it was the color and the the design of the buttons, the brass buttons on his own uniform that gave him the nickname the Green Hornet. And historians are suggesting that because the timing was terrible, the uniform got torpedoed. It, it was never created. Uh, it was never in mass production. And I think because the timing was so terrible and that, you know, it was associated with the Green Hornet that it just never went anywhere. But from what I've read, it, it was a pretty good design. Yeah, well, uh, what I remember of him, he was just a tough soldier. He was yes. old blood and guts. Yeah, but he, he looked kind of foppish when he when he stood around, you know. Well, I guess, no, that was MacArthur who, who you know, with the hand on the hip oh. type thing. MacArthur, uh, he was pretty old. Oh yeah, he was in his 80s, man. When they we called him. He was a, he was an old timer, and uh, yeah, he was he was a general for 45 years. Oh yeah, he was an old. Oh. Yeah, you know, because you could remain generals until you retire, and then MacArthur. And I, I know when my uncle became general, they, it's mandatory you got 35, uh, but if you go to the Pentagon, they give you an extra two more years. Really? But but, uh, but you know. But they had to put that in because of MacArthur, you know, being a general yeah. for 45 years. Yeah, well, yeah. those years they did different things, like uh, uh, Franklin Roosevelt having a third term as president. Yeah, yeah I was just going to say, it's like Franklin Roosevelt, they had to change the Constitution to make sure it never happened again. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so who are the two other five-star generals? You got Patton, MacArthur, Eisenhower. That's, that's the only ones I know of. So maybe we can throw that out there, Patricia. You know who the other two are? I know. Oh. Let me let me sit and, and stew here for a second. Yeah, I know. Okay. One. The last now the last one died in the early '80s, and I think he was the most likable of all the five stars. And the other one was chief of staff.
Park, but I'm right. not sure he was a five star. Well, the the one the five star he he's known for the famous plan in Europe. Yeah, I got that one. And I think I got the second one. All right, what do you got, Patricia? Well, I've got Marshall and Bradley. Very good. Oh, Bradley, that's, that's right. Oh, Very Omar Bradley and, and Joyce C. Marshall. Very good. Oh. Very oh. good, Patricia. Oh, do I get a CD? Yes. Yes. I I, I will I, I will see what you see in your collection. We'll make you an extra copy just for you. <laughs> I had to call back when I thought of the... Uh, of, uh... Well, I am so impressed that you got it. Now, next week, if we have a test, you're going to be able to tell me that the Green Hornet movie influenced poor General George Patton uh. getting the nickname the Green Hornet. But after, Why? after all, people, the experts were mistaken that it, it didn't start in radio, it started in TV. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Oh, that, that was just, that was embarrassing. <laughs> it was just embarrassing. And the, the, now somebody suggested... Did you hear this, Ralph, um, at the beginning that there was a writer who was doing an article in advance of the movie The Green Hornet coming out, and he contacted Martin Grams, who wrote probably the definitive book on The Green Hornet. And the writer wanted to know about the origin of The Green Hornet in TV, and Martin wrote back and said, well, it began in radio. <laughs> the guy came back and said, no, you must be mistaken, it was television. So, I mean, here's the guy is contacting an expert, and the expert says, it's radio. And yeah, the, the only one I remember did that with, I think, uh, Paladin, uh, Have a Gun Will Travel. Yep. Yeah. Right. He started out on television. Correct. That's correct. Yep. Then he went to radio. That's right. Correct. Um, so yeah, actually, it was did, upgraded. Yeah. Uh, gosh, there were a whole bunch of them. <laughs> I've, I've got at least a dozen shows on the list. Really? That had done that? Yeah. Uh, he was the only one I could remember. Yep, a whole bunch of them. But anyway, um, that's what Walden was talking about with the... Uh, <laughs> That's really embarrassing. It, you know, it goes back. We, there was a problem with one of the obituaries on Fred Foy that was sent to me, and the the writer clearly misunderstood what Fred's daughter had told him. She must have said he was an actor on radio, but he also did the recording for television, and what the writer actually committed to writing and published was that an actor announced on radio, but Fred Foy did it for television. Now, somebody along the line is going to pick that up and repeat it, and it's going to become a perpetual error. I didn't think writers made mistakes. Well, they don't, but, um, you know, I mean, the, the wannabe writers do. <laughs> How is that for a comeback? Did I do good? Did I do good? Did I do good? Did good. I did good. Yeah. I'm going to say goodnight again. I'll go on the mistletoe hunting tomorrow. All right. Oh, very. Stay off the ladders, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, well, I might it, be able to the, shoot. The places I read about getting mistletoe down said that they go out, these people, mostly in England, go out with shotguns and they shoot it out of the tree with a shotgun. I'm thinking of doing it. <laughs> <laughs> the old cold gauge ought to bring something. <laughs> yeah. Is that what you're going to do? I could certainly do it. We're, we're yeah. out in the country far enough. There's nobody near. No, you you behave yourself and be safe. Uh, I don't have any dynamite. I do have a shotgun. <laughs> okay, we'll get you a bow and arrow or something. Huh. Well, I guess a shotgun is safer than a bow and arrow. 
Oh, dear. Now I'll worry about you for the rest of the weekend. No, I'll be all right. Oh, I wanted to ask you something. You mm-hmm. said that uh, you, you know Jimmy Nelson. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I called up a long time ago. He was on that night. I just missed him. Oh. But I used to be his laundry man when he lived when he lived in uh, in Queens, New York. Who's serious? Uh, absolutely. I used to go there on Thursday. Ralph, he would remember you. I bet he would. And talk to his wife, and his children were quite small. Uh-huh. I think he and I are probably about the same age. Well, I he, he has his number in the phone book. I will send you his number if you want. Oh, that would be funny. Where does he live? In Cape Coral, right across from Fort Myers. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I know where that is. Yeah, I'm I, uh, I so sorry I missed him that night. I wanted to say hello, but... Oh, gosh, I'm sorry, too. Maybe he'll he'll will come back with us. I hope so. He was so good. He let the kids stay up late that night, too. We had Farful. Oh, yeah, Farful. We had Danny all day. Yep, I remember. Yep, he did, and he let Humphrey, Humphrey Higginbottom. Higginbottom? Higginsbottom. Bottom sounds right. Higginsbottom, I think, is the, is the name of the third one that just didn't get as much visibility as the other two. But he let Danny O'Day and Farfel, the Nestle's doggy. Yeah, the uh, Nestle's cart, uh, the uh, huh? commercial. I remember that, too. Yeah, I mean, he was quite a guy. He was quite a guy. And he still goes out performing. He was out he? Uh, in Las Vegas not terribly long ago. So that's it's fun to know that. It's fun to know that people are still holding on to that kind of fun. You know, you know what I remember the most is they were, he and his wife both are very down-to-earth people. Oh, yes. You know? Yes. So easy to talk to. Mm-hmm. And they had enough time to shoot the bull with the laundry man. And that's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. You, you send it to me. I'll call him. Okay. He, I, he will like it. <laughs> I think he will really enjoy hearing from you. <laughs> I'll tell him Patricia told me. There you go. All right. the magic word. can do that. <laughs> all right, you all have a good evening. All right, Ralph. Night now. Good night. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one eight. Patricia's number on Saturday night. Give her a call. You know. Yeah. You can shake the trees down with a mistletoe. Uh huh. Dynamite would do. Gunshots would do. Yeah, well, you know, it really, it grows way up high. I mean, it's a, it's several stories up. Oh, good, This great. stuff really grows high. You have to have a big tree. It doesn't like little trees. And it, it's like two to three stories up there. That's a big ladder. Yeah, it's a biggie. So they go out with shotguns and they shoot down the mistletoe. Shot um, from guns. Just shot from guns. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. Yeah. Okay, we're, we're going to do one more time here. 714-545-2071, because Walden's coming up on his question. Oh, I don't think Walden deserves a question tonight. He's been so rowdy. He just, you know, he Oh, just... you know, you really have been so bad. Oh. Yes, well, Aww. okay, just a little bad. Oh. Just a little bad. Aww. Oh, Dad, see? Now you're going to have to go sit in the corner until you stop crying. Okay. I'll All right. Let me, know, let me know when you need me, Patricia. I'll be over right. here. Here we corner. go. Are you ready? I'll be over here in the corner. Oh, dear. Well, somebody's got to help us out here. 714 545 
571. And until Walden comes back, I am going to give you a quote from Linda Ellerby. Linda Ellerby used to be one of the foremost news reporters, and she did a lot of television work as well. And her line is, if men can run the world, why can't they stop wearing neckties? How intelligent is it to start the day by tying a noose around your neck? I think that's a pretty good quote. Well, then where did you go? I'm back. A female asked them to wear ties. Say what? I said female asked guys to wear ties. I never asked a guy to wear a tie. Yeah. I wouldn't do that. Do you, you know where ties came from originally? No, I do not. Um, well, I will go out and verify that <laughs> one but... It started in the Middle Ages when men were wearing... I have a Mickey Mouse tie and I have a Lion King tie. Well, that's good, but yeah. that doesn't match what happened in the uh, with the with the guys who wore the big ascots. Oh, yeah. Which is where it started, and they, were, they wore the big scarves to cover the rudimentary button and buttonhole work on their shirts. I thought maybe to cover up the... the, the uh, gr- Not the gravy. Right. <laughs> I just knew that was coming. <laughs> We've been hanging around together too much. We we know each other's mind very well. There's no doubt about that. Okay. We, you know what? We've been really good, Patricia. We haven't said a magic word. Oh, until, sure until, we then, have. until then. We it's been three hours and twenty minutes before we mentioned the, the magic word. We didn't say it? Why? Oh, but I've got so much stuff here. I, I know, but we haven't said the magic word. What was the magic word? Well, you know. Stuff. Well, no, the one that people accuse emails you that we all that you always talk about. Oh, food. <laughs> so you're making gravy things. <laughs> you didn't say food one time, and now I said it first. Oh. Um, uh, okay, here comes your question. All right. All right. For Walden. You were talking about the Mills Brothers this week. We, yes. I don't know how we touched on it, but you talked a little bit about the Mills Brothers. Right. I talked about the, the close harmony groups and uh, how, how great they That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> we, were, we were talking about barbershop quartet and harmony, and you talked a little bit about the Mills Brothers. Right. There were four brothers in the original group. Yes. What were their first names? Harry. Uh, Donald, the youngest. I'm trying to remember the one that died. Um, yeah, here was, the, was always the lead voice. Uh, Donald was the youngest. Uh, I want to buy a paper doll that I call my own. <laughs> pretty, pretty gal. We don't have dead air here. Walden is pondering his answers. First names of the Mills brothers. See, the, there think, are four of them. Yeah, I think the, the one of them died in 36. Uh, here we go again. <laughs> I am trying to... And they wore black patent leather shoes. Yeah. <laughs> I I can't think of the other two, Patricia. Who who are they? Oh man, I thought you would have gotten three out of four. Yeah. One was the one who died. Who was who, who was the one? 
John. John, Martin, yeah, that's right. And uh, John yeah. Sr. took his place. That's right. And Herbert. Herbert, was, yes, yes, yeah, all right. Harry, Donald, and Herb. John. Yeah. That was a good question. I thought that's a great question. I thought you were going to get John right off the bat because he was the son who died. Okay. What sort of help to the listeners, just in case Patricia wants to squeal? What was her first big hit? Oh, gee. In 1931, it was a million-seller hit. The Mills Brothers. Yeah. And it's on YouTube. You're asking it? other people, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm asking others. It's, it's a great song. I, I, I appreciate that. And it started in the radio over at WLW in Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati? Yep. That's what yeah, interesting. That's what Anyone mail. else who made it and stayed in radio, or name brand, mm -hmm. we'll call it, did anyone else start in Cincinnati? Many. It's a hotbed. Roy Rogers, Rosemary Cooney, Doris Day. Um, Jay Johnston, who was Mr. District Attorney, starting uh, Lon Clark, who was Nick Carter, all WOW. Norman Corn went to become uh, a radio newscaster over at WOW. Hello there, Carl. You are on with Patricia. Happy New Year, Patricia and Walden. Hi, Jim. Happy New Year, Jim. How are you? Well, it's been a cold week, raining, and... Oh, you too? Ooh. And uh, how's it been in Florida? Well, we're, we warmed up this week. I finally got to a point where I could put my face out the door and say, oh, boy, I don't have to close it. Actually, she snowed in. That's why she'd never leave the apartment. Now, listen, well, if you have a comfortable place to stay, you might as well stay. <laughs> Yeah, why not? It's down in the 50s. It's going to go into the 40s tonight, but um, certainly not like it was. What are you doing in the weather department? Well, it's been raining off and on. It's been like in the 50s and 60s. It was in the 30s the other night, which is unusual for here, you know, like 38, 37 degrees. Yuck. But, um, but I guess compared to New York or Chicago or Minnesota, I guess it's like a heat wave. Yeah, well, they're, they're, you're not accustomed to to Minnesota weather either. Well, I've seen Chicago weather. And that's pretty cold. You haven't lived in Chicago for a long time, though. Well, it's been, that's one of the reasons I decided not to go back. <laughs> the opportunity, I remember what it was like. I mean, I like being with my family and everything, but that Chicago weather, you know, that, that, that wind chill factor, you know, it can be like 13 degrees. It can be like zero with a wind chill factor of like 23 below or something, you know, and it's... Uh, brutal. It's brutal. And you've got the... And in Chicago itself, the wind is just awful. I wonder how... Well, I guess Randy Stone kept warm some way. When he, yeah, he hit the, for the Chicago Star. Yes. <laughs> he walked the beat. The night yeah. beat for the Chicago Star. Sure he had to walk star. many a winter night. I'm sure he had yeah. to walk many a winter night. That's yeah, true. Back there. I was going to comment on some of the old bits I read. Um... The New York Times obit on Fred was pretty accurate. I mean, they, you know, none of them, let's face it, as old-time radio buffs, none of the people that write these things ever get things totally right. You know, they, they're not in the field. They're not in the hobby. They're not in the uh, collecting field. And, and wait, 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 Jim, aren't you mistaken? The Green Hornet it did not start on radio, it started on TV. You know that, right? Uh, oh, I learned something new. Yeah. Martin Grahams is totally wrong. <laughs> Man who's devoted years of study to this subject. Uh, Isn't that incredible that it's this little whippersnapper wrote back and said, you must be mistaken. Unreal. What's frustrating is 
And I don't know if people just don't know how to do the research, or maybe a lot of the information isn't available, or they don't know who to contact to get the information. You know, that... that uh, contacted the right person. He contacted Martin Grahams. Yeah. The information, and the guy wrote back and said, you're wrong. <laughs> well, you know, all he has to do, he could go to any OTR site. He could go to, you know... Uh, the uh, Internet Archives, you could go to the Radio Gold Index, he could go anywhere and find the Green Hornet listed as a radio show, and he could look up the dates of the shows. That's assuming the guy even knew that there was a radio that existed. I mean, someone on the Digest suggested that Martin just email him a couple of shows, which sounds like a super-duper idea. Certainly better than, um, you know, believing that we might get something in print that says that the Green Hornet started in television. Gosh, that's well, scary. Well, you know, it's, the thing is, it's like they don't they don't know how to research things, and it, and what what what's inevitably things is uh, they'll say things like, uh, or, or it's like, you know, they, they spread urban legends, as you said, and they get re, they get printed in in future books and future guides, and it's like. Like Dr. Mike has talked about repeatedly, you know, there are people that, both that you know, people, the story started that Sarnoff was manning the uh, watermaker's code, you know, and was a major voice informing people about the Titanic, or little things like that, mm -hmm. which are, are, you know, urban legends that have been spread, and uh, people don't, you know, once something's in print, they generally don't... Uh, don't correct it. Uh, but most of the Fred Foy things, to me, were pretty accurate. They, they tended to glance over Fred's ABC radio career in New York after the years between The Lone Ranger and Dick Cabot. And he did a lot of things for ABC, as you probably know. He, uh, among other things, he narrated an excellent news program called Voices in the Headlines. It ran from 60, well, it ran, his part in it ran from about 61 to 67 or 8. And it was a review of the week's news done kind of in March of Time style. And they used actual recordings of the real voices of the newsmakers. It was a 25-minute program. It won several awards. Fred mentioned it in his interview with Frank Brzee that he narrated that show. And it, he really made the news come alive on that show. It was, a, it was the, one of the first shows, along with Monitor and other things, that got me aware of current events. Because, you know, hearing his voice in the early 60s was just... You know, it was such an impressive voice. It's a voice you don't forget. And it just grabbed your attention from the moment you heard it. And this was even before I ever knew about The Lone Ranger. But it was a, but, uh, but it was an excellent show. He also narrated obituary programs for people like ABC would call on him to do memorial tributes to people like JFK and Eisenhower and MacArthur and Hoover, uh, Herbert Hoover and uh, Winston Churchill, and he, he would narrate their biographies, like in 25- or 30-minute programs. He, he did those kind of things for ABC. And he also announced Theater 5, which was ABC's attempt to revive radio drama. And he even acted in a few Theater 5 dramas, uh, playing different parts. And the papers tended to skip over those things, but I guess when you're writing something, you know, you, you, you may not know about that information or where to look for that information. Um, they're also restricted in terms of space. Oh, yeah. Doing a biography is not reasonable, and somebody has to sit and choose which ones people are going to lock into 
fastest and easiest, and the Lone Ranger comes out ahead. Well, Patricia, you're right. I mean, not not even mentioning that he had so much time with so much work in other places. A couple of sentences would have been wonderful. You think there's there's a rule of thumb obituary? If it's a bigger name, they give so much space. uh, Do they scale it that way? How do they determine space, or that's just a judgment call on the editor? Yeah, like when a when a prominent person, like I can think of another example when when Raymond Burr passed away. No one. My mom read me the L.A. Times article on his life. I don't know about the New York Times. No, but the L.A. Times, which you think covers entertainment pretty well, did not mention radio at all. It never mentioned Fort Laramie or any of Raymond Burr's radio work. He, who was, he was the um, detective in one of... It wasn't Boston Blackie. Gosh, who? At Novak for Hire, he was Jack Webb's, you know. That was it. That was it. Thank you, Jim. I knew you'd bail me out. Inspector Hellman. He was Inspector Hellman. That's it. Thank you. And he was Jack, on Dragnet, he was one of Jack Webb's first bosses, Lieutenant Backstrand, and he did did guest appearances on the lineup and uh, Johnny Dollar and Suspense and a lot of different radio. Yeah. But they totally, they, they, they went from his movies to television and didn't even mention radio. That was disappointing to me because Fort Laramie, to me, was a major, I mean, when I say a major series, to radio collectors it's a major series. It might not be to most people. Most It's a significant contribution to radio. You're right. And no one mentioned it. Oh, and, the same, and, and the same thing when, when Edmund O'Brien died, she, Mom read me uh, the L.A. Times article, and of course no one mentioned yours truly, Johnny Dollar, at all. You're kidding Oh, my goodness. And he had that role for quite a... How long did he have that role? Two years, at least. I mean, it was, it was a sizable chunk. He's uh-huh. not my favorite, but he certainly did a good job. Well, you know, and, and I don't know, when, when Frank Sinatra died, I don't recall if the papers mentioned Rocky Fortune or not. I, I, I can't remember. Um, of course, Rocky Fortune was a rather short part of his career. You know, there were only 26 of them. Yeah, and it, but, you know, it was so good. He was so good in that role. I just love that show. And I don't think, and again, getting to Jimmy Stewart, James Stewart, I don't think the L.A. Times mentioned the six-shooter. Of course, I, if, I, and if, and if I'm wrong, you know, any caller is free to call and mention it, but I just don't remember them mentioning the six-shooter. Yeah. I know one of the major Stewart biographies I read on Talking Book did not mention the six-shooter at all. Really? How interesting. And to me, if you're if a series lasts even half a season or one season, that that's an important uh, that's an important part of a person's life. It's such a memorable show and was such a quality production that certainly it deserves some spotlight. I agree. I was surprised when when William Conrad passed away. They mentioned CBS Radio mentioned Matt Gunsmoke and Matt Dillon. Uh-huh. But the only recording they had of William Conrad's voice was of an excerpt from him on Jake and the Fat Man, that last TV show he did. And I, I was surprised. I thought CBS Radio would have an archive where they... Actually, they don't, because when when Freeman Godson uh, died, yeah. CBS did not have any Amos and Andy at all. Really? They had to go to Pacific Pioneers to pipeline it to, to CBS News in New York to be heard nationally when they announced Freeman Godson's death. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. So apparently they don't really, CBS does not really have an entertainment archive, do right. they, for, 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 for 
older things anyway. Yep. Wow. Just it, but it was a but the tributes I saw some of the tributes on the digest. They were very nice. Uh, certainly the recordings you played, Walden, last week were a lot of fun to hear. Those 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 uh, and those that Dr. Mike and your other source supply those those movie promos were fascinating. Yeah, no one kind of did a nice job. A lot of people did a nice stuff to send it over. Well, those those movie promos were just. I mean, uh, I remember those promos for Gone with the Wind when it was re-released in '68. And, uh, and of course, I, another one he did the promos for was Papillon, the one with Steve McQueen and Dustin Hoffman. He did the promos for that film in the 70s. And he also did the promos, the Julie Andrews movie Star, which was one of her musicals in the, I guess, the late 60s or early 70s. He did the announcing for that movie and Waterloo, the movie with Rod Steiger and Orson Welles. Waterloo, yeah. Waterloo, where will you meet your Waterloo? Right. <laughs> now, you know music, Jim. Yeah, that was Stonewall Jackson. That's right. What I want to know, what was the Mills Brothers' first hit, and what was the last hit? Well, let's see. Their first hit was... And I think it's me about the, at the time frame, considering, just think how many years the, the spread of these two big hits, the first and last big hit. They had hit. They had some records in the 30s, didn't they? Correct. How early? Was it like, well, I know in 32, I heard a recording once of I Can't Give You Anything But Love. Right, but a bigger hit than that. What, a paper doll? No, that's 44. Uh, 40, 43. Uh, 41, you say? Mm. Uh, Up a Lazy River? No. Um, okay, what about the last big hit? And when was Driver? That? Yeah, what year? 68. Right. So 68 and, the last, and think of the first one. What was the last one again, please? Cab Driver. Cab Driver. Okay, thanks. That's 1968. Here's one for you. They had a hit in 1958, a cover version of a rock and roll song. And I, I heard it on an oldies compilation once, and I just couldn't believe that the Mills Brothers did a version of it. Remember Get a Job by the Silhouettes? No. The Mills Brothers did a cover version oh. of Get a Job in 58. So what's the first one? Oh, uh... Not you only, you only hurt the one you love? No, that's, 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 that's a big hit in uh, 45. <laughs> 45. 41. Um, Before 41. Early 30s. And not in, it's not in, uh... I'll give you the year. 31. So just think about this, that their career lasted with big hits for 37 years. That's a long time. And they still kept performing into the mid-70s and into the 90s when I saw them. Thirty-seven years of nothing but short sets. Oh well, well, yeah. Well, let me th forty. And you said forty. Did you say forty-one or thirty-one? Thirty-one. Thirty-one. The youngest son was seven years old. Son was seven years. Yeah, when they when they started singing this group. Hold that tiger, tiger rag. Yeah, that was that was written in the twenties. Yeah, it, it, tiger but, rag. It's also been called yeah, right. Yeah, tiger rag. It, it started. It, it hit gold in thirty-one. So they, I knew they did a version, but I didn't know it was that early. Yeah, I guess when Patricia. There, I know among their other records, they one my mother always liked was, of course, in '51, "Be My Life's Companion." Yeah, which Milton DeLug wrote. Our friend Milton DeLug, who turned 90, he wrote that. Uh, that was always a nice song. Yeah. Uh, of course, they did "Glowworm." Yep. Uh, Up a lazy river. Up a lazy river. Yep. Um, uh, I know they did. They did. Uh, uh, 
course, we mentioned Paper Doll, and we mentioned You Always Hurt the One You Love. See, what Patricia but, started, she asked a trivia question, and she gets a five-minute monologue on the, the Mill Brothers. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, but, you know, they were, they were certainly challenging. They even did uh, some commercials for the phone company to the tune of Call Me in the early 70s. Mm. Uh, well, they did it. Uh, who else did it? Uh, several other singers did it. Uh, but the Mills Brothers did a version of Call Me for the phone company. On, I was listening to Chuck Cecil's show this morning, and he was making on the record label he, uh, he was reading uh, all voices be, uh, instru uh, instrumental besides the guitar. So they had to put on the label that they were using their voices as all the other instruments. On all their records, that was the same. They never used other instruments. Well, definitely when they get into the 50s, and when they, you started hearing them with orchestras and things like that. But those stuff in the 30s and 40s, that's all the voices besides the guitar. Now, how many of the, uh, now, uh, are the uh, are, are some of their descendants still performing? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Donald Jr. leads the male brother today. So he's the, uh, the son of the youngest. Yeah. So. Well, they were certainly a talent. They were certainly talented, yeah. and and they had they had great voices, and uh, and they were. It was certainly. By the way, Patricia, before I forget it, I've had a chance. I've started the Eisenhower disc, and I'm really enjoying it. Oh, cool. Well, I'm glad you reminded me because I have a note here to tell Jim <laughs> that I've got four Fulton Lewis recordings that I could find. There might be five. I think it's four. However, in my journey. I found a whole new set of historic recordings. Okay. And with the hope that there are not very many duplicates in there, I put Fulton and the historic recordings on one disc, and I finished all my homework. Okay. So you'll have that. And I'm still looking. Uh, and if I need, I'll, I'm still looking for those bo those right those radio bombs, those bad shows. I, I I'm sure it's around. I just haven't been able to find it yet. Well, I said I was going to do that one again for you, didn't I? Okay, that would be appreciated. Okay, worst chose. You got it. Because it's going to be a fun thing to hear, but I'm enjoying the Eisenhower. It's, it's put together really well. Um, you do a good job in finding these things. Uh, do you, when you do that, do you just do like a database? You just punch in a person's name and, and look for where recordings are? Is that how you go about finding your stuff? No, I have um, at least a half a dozen places that have unusual recordings. So I will go to them and I'll put in the name Eisenhower, for example, in the search engine and just weed through everything that that comes up. So on the bad shows, yes. did, did you just go about determining what you thought was, I mean, which is, which is fine, I'm, I'm just perfectly fine. Did you just go down a list and just see, now this one really sounds bad, or did you listen to a lot of them and just pick, how did you go about determining what the bad shows were? Well, when I came across various sites that have a, a mulligan stew, collection of shows. Most of the ones I have not heard of, I would click on. And um, there were quite a few in there that just made me say, I can't believe this. I can't believe that this actually made it out onto the air. So yes, they are all personal opinions. And there are some that are up for grabs. There are um, others that are incontrovertibly awful. So I know some of these experts agree two to one. That these are awful shows. <laughs> some of these also may have been, I'm thinking some of these could have been auditions, too, you know, that were proposed theories that never made the air, right? I, I would think so. I would think so. I, I can't imagine that some of these got any further than auditions. And if they did, it's a blessing that there were only one or two surviving. 
Right. Well. Well. And I. And I. And I. And I. And I often wonder when we heard that John Dunning had to cut the book down fifteen percent. I wonder if some of these shows were some of the shows he had to cut out. I don't know. The Pineapple Picador. <laughs> Probably. I'm just kidding. I mean. You know the Space Cow. I don't think so. <laughs> you know. I put it. But you're right. Some of these clearly. <laughs> You know, belong. I don't know where they belong. It's just incredible. Just maybe sometime when it's when we have nothing else to do, some some Friday or Saturday when it's maybe you know every April Fool's Day, some disc jockey plays the ten worst hits or something. Yeah, we could. Maybe April first, maybe well, April first is a Friday. Maybe April second, we could just do three or four. Maybe we could just give, play the opening of three or four of them. Maybe just to give where people wouldn't necessarily have to hear the whole show. Oh yes, they would. Oh, they would? I guess they would, wouldn't they? No, they wouldn't. Just the first two or three minutes would do it. But there's the, see, the single shows, the individual ones, not the, the entire series. There are a couple of series in here that just make me shake my head. But now other people like them. So, you know, the, those are where the opinions come in. But on the single shows, the individual ones, um, well, like Zorro, I've got seven Zorros, and Zorro ought to have, should have been shot by the sheriff. <laughs> But, you know, he uh, uh, when you think of and when you think of what a big hit Zorro was when Disney brought it to television. Huh? I and it's I know, and you know, I found um, a Douglas Fairbanks silent movie Zorro. Mm-hmm. I, I found it up on one of the archive sites, and I watched that whole thing, and I understood why the radio show was so bad <laughs> because they modeled it. And that version was just as bad. It was awful. Yes, it was at least as bad. It was, you know, it was in good competition with the radio show. But we've got, um, let's see, we've got Dan Dare, Pilot of the Future. Wow. Isn't that a good one? Uh-huh. Yeah. And we've got um, 20, uh, 2,000 plus. Now, I've got a whole set of shows, 2,000 plus, and I don't think they're too awful. But I have one in here called The Green Thing, and... I'll have to listen to that one again, because for some reason it really tickled me <laughs> that time. 2000 Plus, you know, was Mutual's attempt to do science fiction a few weeks before Dimension X started. By the way, I heard a Rocky Fortune, uh, today uh, Max played a Rocky Fortune episode where uh-huh. Rocky gets involved with some people that are trying to get a rocket ship started. Yes, 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 I remember that one. And it was funny because Rocky's having dialogue. You've heard, you know, you've read, you've heard about science fiction's trips to the moon, and all of a sudden, Rocky Fortune says, "Dimension X, you mean?" Yes. And of course, that was funny because the, the script was written by George Leppard, who wrote a lot of the Dimension X. Ah, okay. I didn't know about the connection, but it was it was a good episode. There was not a bad Rocky Fortune episode. Well, I thought one that was really funny, and I can't remember the premise of the show. But all of a sudden, he, he, he's talking to the police sergeant, and he starts singing from here to eternity, and the sergeant says, Who do you think you are, Frank Sinatra? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. But I always, what I always liked on Rocky Fortune is the way he would close each show. He'd say, I'll see you around. Mm-hmm. Just the way you would picture Sinatra talking. You can just picture Frank talking like that. But it was a, I thought it was a... Uh, Good show. I know he did it out of hunger because you know from here to eternity had not yet become really popular, and he and uh, 
but I but a lot of pe- a lot of radio historians and critics and collectors did not like the show, but I enjoyed it. It's one of those things, one of those shows I enjoyed. I thought he did a great job on that show. I mean, it was it was the it was another in the Sam Spade Philip Marlowe group, but he was easygoing. He didn't have a gun. He didn't, you know. I mean, it was just. It was a gentler show, and there was great humor in it. There was always something to laugh at in it. Well, he, and, he, and, he also, and he rarely, and it wasn't, you know, there was, there was an occasional crime, but he rarely used his fist, or he rarely used his, uh, he used his wits more. To, and, of course, each week he was in a different situation. One week it might be uh, driving a nitroglycerin truck, and one week it might be as a circus guard, and one week it might be guarding a football player. So, you know, it varied each week what he was doing. Yeah, and it was well done. They were good scripts. He was really in his element. I swear, he should have stayed in radio. He was good. Well, I always thought his movies uh, were very good, uh, his dramatic movies. Yes. Uh, people talk about, you know, his, the movies where he sang and stuff, but I thought his dramatic movies... He was uh, he was a wonderful actor. Von Ryan's Express is one that comes to mind. Another one that we, my brother and I remember seeing when we were little, it was very good, was one called The Devil at Four O'Clock with Spencer Tracy. Uh, and he also, and of course he did things like Detective Story, and he did, or not, not Detective Story, Detect the Detective. And he did, he did a couple of other dramatic things that were, The Man with the Golden Arm, of course, was very good. He had a wide, you know, a wide, a wide selection of things. I can understand, though, well, I, I, I mentioned this to Walden once. Uh, a few years ago, one of our jo- disc jockeys here played the record that Frank Sinatra hated most of his, the one that made that made him truly angry at Mitch Miller. That was that novelty record he did with Dagmar called Your Mama Don't Bark. And I heard the record finally, and I said, no wonder, Frank. I, I'd heard about this record all these years. And I thought, well, it was just a novelty record. What was wrong? But finally hearing it, I can see why Frank wasn't very happy. <laughs> well, he should have known when he was doing it that somebody was going to be barking. Yeah, but he had a, But he certainly, uh, he certainly was a, you know, a very talented man. But again, uh, one of the, uh, if, I don't know if you, but in your, in your Fred Foy material, Walden, were you able to find any of the Cold Power Laundry commercials that Fred did? No, no, none of those were sent to me. Okay. So I don't have any of those. Well, one was, there were a couple that were very funny. Mm-hmm. There were radio spots about 68. And one was Fred is narrating this cold power spot the same way he did voices in the headlines. You hear a ship's horn. You hear the orchestra playing O Lang Syne. And then you hear Fred saying, the final voyage of one of the grand old ladies of the sea, the SS Queen Victoria, is over. Reporters wait to see the ship's arrival. And he's, and he's doing this newsroom thing, and they're talking about how clean the clothes were on the ship. And Fred is also playing, I think, the sea captain in the same commercial. And as, the clothes are clean, as you can see. And Fred goes, sea, 40 years at sea, and never anything like cold power. Just the way he said it was just... <laughs> so funny to me. I mean, you know, you hear him doing this serious news type voice, and then you hear him doing this, this sea captain. It was just, he was just such a verse, a verse, a versatile voice in so many, so many of the things he did. Yeah. So glad, Patricia, that we got a chance on Walden Show to talk to him that night. Oh, gosh, yes. It, it was such a joy. He was such a joy to listen to. It just... 
was fun for me to be able to call and say hi, and gosh, you know, we, we just enjoyed your work so much. And thanks, and I, I got the chance to talk about voices in the headlines, and he recalled the show very fondly, and it was just, it was just one of those... One of those fun evenings, one of those thrilling moments in your life when you get to talk to someone whose work you've always admired. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad I got a chance. Uh, so, I want to wish both of you, like I say, a wonderful new year. Happy New Year! Yes, I hope uh, 2000... Merry Christmas! Oh, right, I heard, I heard last night, I did hear... Uh, some of your Christmas shows last yeah, night. They you, were very you know, enjoyable. You know me. I I, I, I they'll keep it going. Christmas shows. Yep. You keep Christmas going till the end of January, generally. Uh-huh, I do. I sneak it in. Yeah, we can do that. And then we start preparing for July sometime in the middle of May. So he's happy. Yeah. Well, this July we'll have Christmas in July again and look forward to that. We're working on it. Yeah, we're working with Already picked the show? Have you started thinking of the shows you want? Well, we're negotiating with, with the Penguin Union to see if we can get a few for the South Pole, but we haven't come to an agreement yet. Well, maybe you can get one of those brownies like Stan Freeberg got from the South Pole. Oh, that's true. To do your, to do your work for you. Yeah. Because the boss may run short again this year. Yeah, that's true. But anyway, I hope both of you have a wonderful evening. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Our pleasure, Jim, and I'll get the worst shows out to you. I'm sorry, I, I should have done that, because as soon as you said it, I remembered that I had told you I would do that. Well, there's no rush. I know things, people, you know, you've got you've got a lot of packages going out and, and things, and, and people who win these contests, I know, look forward to their uh, things. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting to see what you considered, and I think uh, I'm probably going to agree with you. I'm 99% sure I will. <laughs> we'll see. You'll, your responsibility will to be report back. Yes. Anyway, have a wonderful evening. Thanks, Jim. All right, Jim. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 714. 545. 2071. All right. We got it. Boy, and, and Ralph got Bernardo and... Coronado and oh my goodness and we got our hoots out and we got Walden's questions okay how are you in the market for some newspaper ads I sure am all right are these tomorrow ads no oh they're yet to use just, Good. I just pulled a couple I've got um, a nice chubby file of actual newspaper ads and they show why people shouldn't do their own writing sometimes <laughs> so here's one for used cars Used cars. Why go anywhere else to be cheated? Come here first. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Isn't that good? That's good. Okay. Now, in England, fancy dress is a costume party. Okay. All right. So this is probably one from England. The advertisement is for sheer stockings. Designed for fancy dress, but so serviceable that lots of women wear nothing else. Oh, man, that's pretty good. It says, now this is even better. It, it finishes up with stock up and save. Okay. Limit one per person. All right. This is good. I don't know how you can stock up when you only buy one, but anyway. All right. <laughs> now I get it. Okay. Okay. Oh, you, you, you got it. Yeah, I got it. Oh, okay. Doggy for sale. This is dog for sale. Uh-huh. Eats anything and is fond of children. <laughs> You have to be careful. You have to be careful when you put these things together. Okay, now this for a dry cleaning place. Uh-huh. We do not tear your clothing with machinery. We do it carefully by hand. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> we charge extra for tearing your clothing. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 
unless somebody calls and rescues us, I've got a whole bunch of useless information, but a lot of fun. That's a new subtitle for the year. That's a new subtitle for the year. Yeah, useless but fun? Uh-huh. Okay. Here, would you like some useless but fun sure. information? Sure. What you got? What you got? What you got? When I say useless, I mean, obviously it's of value to somebody, but you can't take it to the store and buy bread. Okay. A dime, a little thin dime, mm-hmm. has 118 ridges around the rim. Hey, I like now that. I want to know who sat down and counted. That sounds like something Walden Shoes would have done. Well, maybe they didn't count. I mean, obviously, when the die is cast, yeah. somebody's they know they know there. the mold. They know the mold. So yeah. Okay. Now remember, all of this is from the internet. Hmm. So absolutely over, true. Over one billion, with a B, mm-hmm. one billion Valentine's Day cards are sent each year in North America. So uh, that would Canada. So we have a lot of sweethearts. That's good. All right. Now yeah. here's one. I know that there's somebody out there who knows this answer. I, it was Barbie, the doll Barbie, the Barbie doll. Yeah. Actually has a full name. Really? Yeah. Does yeah. anybody know what Barbie's name is? I'm, I'm just going to leave that one out there okay. for a little bit. Okay. If anybody knows what Barbie's full name is, you know, Barbie and Ken? Yeah, I think she's been around since 1959, so somebody must know her. Well, somebody should know her name then. Yeah. But, of course, she only dates Ken, so... So oh, me, no. you think you think seven one four five four five two zero seven one. If you don't call with Barbie's full name, I will give it to you. You think Ken knows? Jim. Ken. 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 Oh, Ken. Yeah. Oh, the yeah, her boyfriend. Yeah. I don't think so. Oh, okay. I don't think so. He oh. doesn't look too bright. He <laughs> does. <laughs> um. Okay. Now this one, I don't know how you figure this out, but Maine, the state of Maine. Yep. The toothpick capital of the world. I like it. Must have a bunch of small trees. Like I said, you know, useless but fun. Yeah, must have a bunch of small trees. Yeah, okay. All right, now I'm going to ask you this one, and you tell me whether or not you know the answer. Oh, this is so good. So if I know the answer, do I don't say? Say what? If I don't know the answer, do I say or don't say? Well, if you don't know the answer, you tell me, and then I'll tell you the answer is. Okay. Okay. There was a movie in which. For, for the first time, uh, the first time a toilet was being flushed, oh. <laughs> appeared in a movie.